and welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast, along with my partners Brian Siegler, Jonathan Talley, and Shelton Moss. I'm Curtis Wilson. And this portion of the episode is presented by Dr. Jeremy Counts at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. If you love this podcast, the Hokies and the town of Blacksburg, make sure you are supporting Main Street Pharmacy when you make your way to town. Whether you need prescriptions, a tube of toothpaste, or just want to stop and say hello, let Jeremy and his team take care of you. The money you spend goes towards the things that you love and support. So next time you're in Blacksburg, head on down to 301 South Main Street. Fellas, we're back. It's been a couple week hiatus. How's everyone feeling tonight? Feeling good. Feeling good, man. Still ain't got a broke pinky, but we still balling over here. We all right. I hear you, man. I, I, you know those those sports injuries, especially those nagging ones, kind of they're a pain in the ass, man. Yeah, they, definitely. They, sl- they slow you down, but at least it's something that he can kind of play through in the short term, right? Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, made him a little bit more aware too. Made him love it a little bit more. You know, you want to be lazy sometimes, and then you break a pinky and you have to miss a game, and then you're like, oh, I can't wait to get back in there and hit. Or, I can't wait to do something. So, you know, it made. I ain't gonna say I'm happy it happened, but if it happened, at least it was something that he's able to play through. Makes him love it a little bit more. Absolutely. Here, man, we just we we finally are done with baseball for the year. Uh oh. Done with baseball. Pool um, time. Pool time. Pool time. Yeah. A lot of pool, but baseball ended good. The oldest son's team won his division's championship. Nice. And to your point, he he was kind of sad. We were driving home that night, and he was like. I'm kind of sad. He's like, I don't get to go back and play with the guys anymore. Yeah. This year. Yeah. I was like, okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah. other than that, we are, yeah, a lot of pool right now. A lot of sunshine, a lot of playing outside until the sun starts setting here. I need to give you one of them pools, man. Yes. You need to get into a pool. <laughs> Sheldon, how you doing, man? That's not your usual background right there. It is not. I am in a uh, fancy, fancy apartment here in Salt Lake City. Um, Taking nice. a week week long vacation out here in Utah with a little Airbnb, so I've been doing some hiking, uh, some outdoor stuff, and also just experiencing the town. It's been it's been awesome. It's been the trip of a lifetime, really. That's well, awesome, that is man. Awesome. Well, they say if a bear or something starts chasing you, you're supposed to get big and make a lot of noise. So, <laughs> yes, right. never never run away from a bear. That, that tells a bear that you're prey. And you don't want okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, punch that motherfucker in the mouth. <laughs> Unless it's the cocaine, buddy, and you're done. No, yeah. you're dead. Just he's, not, he's not in Gatlinburg. Yeah. He's in you Utah. Sure? It wouldn't surprise me if a cocaine bear ever came to Gatlinburg. I mean, seriously. That's, that's what it's based on, homie. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. I just saw the movie and chuckled a few times. Like, that looks like a stupid premise, but something that potentially could happen. All right, folks, we are back. It has been a couple weeks. Last time three of us were here with y'all, we were interviewing Coach Pry, and that got us to thinking about what's going to be our main topic tonight, and is how do we return to being a power in the college football game? We all went through. We got our notes. We've got stuff we wanted to talk about. But before we get to all that fun stuff, and we definitely want y'all to be interacting when we get to that, we got to talk recruiting because it's been a little while since we discussed recruits. And I first want to start with the transfer portal because yeah. the day, literally the day that we were talking to Coach Pry, Antoine Ryland Powell, who was in the portal from Florida, 
transfers up to the Hokies. Originally, Indian River High School down in Portsmouth. He transfers with two years of eligibility left from the Florida Gators, something we had talked about about a month ago. Defensive line was key, right? We had lost a younger player. Tally, I'm going to pitch to you first. What do you think? You think we upgraded at uh, line with getting uh, Mr. Oh, Powell? Yeah, definitely, definitely upgraded at, at the line. But what I liked about that pickup was just circling the wagon pretty much. You know, had a shot at the kid out of high school. Um, for whatever reason, we don't land him. Um, this new staff comes in. We go three and eight, which is not very good. And this kid's coming from Florida. And somebody on that staff said, hey, we got a vision. Um, they had some kind of connection with somebody that he knows or him. Glenwood. And we get him and we get him to come home. Yep. You know, Glenwood. like that that is where that is where football has to go for us. You know, you miss on a recruit, you don't say screw you, have a nice life. Nope. It's still check on them. Hey man, I seen your first game, you got your first snap. Keep grinding and keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what it has to be. That's what college football has to be now because at any point somebody can go, hey, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to transfer back home, closer to home. So yeah. I think I'll, that definitely great job filling a spot of of need for us. Great job. And he's he's going to come in and play, you know, so that's awesome. Definitely going to come in and play. And that connection was Glenwood Fairby. Glenwood, the director of high school relations um, for the Hokies, was his coach down at Indian River. So not only having him, but I think, again, it's the vision. Because your point, Tally, three and eight. Brian, you know, three and eight football teams don't shouldn't be getting guys like Powell who have had success. I mean, because we take a look at his numbers here. In sort of a part-time role last year, he had, you know, right at 30 tackles, three sacks, three force fumbles. And that was a part-time role. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's 6'3", he's about 245 pounds, slightly undersized, but just just rushing the pass is key. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, like Telly said, definitely position of need um, that we've talked about here. Um, you know, we were, we were saying if we need to get a DN, we need to get an offensive lineman, we need to get somebody to play DB, whether it be a safety or some sort of nickel corner hybrid um, type player. Went out, got one, um, took care of business there, and probably got the best one that we had a chance at getting. Um, right. In, in terms of the relationships that, that we had there previously, um, you know, connections to Virginia, obviously from Indian River there. So, um, kind of getting the, the best one on the board that that you feel like you have a legitimate shot at. That that's that's good. That's that you're closing in on the on the realistic goals there. So I think that's that's a big thing to do, um, and I mean. He's shown he's a player in limited roles. I'm hoping that he's going to step into that in a in a larger role with the Hokies. Um, if, you know, if he can come out there and you know steal that starting job and and kind of solidify that other side of the defensive line and at the DN position, that's going to be big for us because that that's that's something that we need going into the season. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So big get there, and you know it wasn't too many days ago we got another one in some another place we talked about, right? offensive line this time and it's not a division one transfer but it's effectively an fcs guy coming up and that's clayton frady who's transferring up from gardner webb um had been a three-year starter down there because he's a COVID guy he has two more years of eligibility left 
um, play tackle there. I know, Brian, I know you looked a little of his tape. Uh, where do you foresee him? And, you know, there's been some discussion that he's not as good as certain current offensive linemen. But if they went and got him, there's a reason. Because if you feel good about who you currently got, you're not just going to go out and waste effectively a roster spot to me on depth. Yeah, you know, looking at him, I feel like there's there's some potential there. Um, I'm hoping he's a guy that can slide in, um, maybe to guard, uh, even though he's more of a more of a tackle. Um, I've, if he can slide inside to guard, uh, I think that would be a better fit for him. I think that would with with the step up in competition. I think he's athletic enough to to make that work, um, and that would you know get some of you know, a little more shuffling uh, on the interior there, which is probably where we're the most uh, unsteady in terms of front line. Um, I feel like we're pretty solid at the tackles in terms of the, the, the front line, uh, very sketchy on depth. Um, so, so we'll see how that works out. Um, but, you know, when we look at offensive line, we're talking about getting the, the best five out there that can work together as a unit. So not necessarily the most talented five, but we're looking for the, f- the five that make us the best as a unit. Um, so it, it remains to be seen what that's going to look like by the time, you know, September rolls around. Yeah, yeah definitely. Any, definitely, any, definitely has on? to oh, go ahead. No, any, I was going to say, Tally, what do you got to say? Yeah, on? Just, you know, definitely always good to get somebody who's has, has some significant snaps. So that helps, um, you know, coming in and being able to fight for the spot. I don't know if he comes in and starts, but I think that they want him to come in and start. But even if he doesn't, somebody else steps their game up and say, "How I'm ready to fight." Like Coach Price said uh, on 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 the on the last pod. If you hadn't go listen to it, go listen to it. Definitely. Where you been? You've been in Utah with 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 Shelton. You need to go back and listen to our last pod with Coach Pryor on. He said, "Hey." I'm bringing in people to take your spot, you know. So, as an offensive lineman, this this summer you're thinking, hey, I'm not letting somebody come in and take my spot. So, if he does come in as a as a you know a transfer and is able to give us some some snaps as a depth player, that's still good because you hate to say it, but somebody's gonna get hurt, you know. Somebody's gonna get the toe stepped on, whatever the case may be. So we just need some bodies, the five best. Uh, like you said, not doesn't have to be the most five talented, but the five best is going to work the best together and go get the job done. So I, I like to pick up definitely. Yep. And I take a look at it too. Um, is he played right tackle and he was all mm-hmm. big South. He got some, you know, some preseason all American honors, but he played right tackle. Mm-hmm. I, I, I looked at that and that <clears throat> I think we've all said about we chaplain's physicalness, Little more, big more, Parker. It's the right side, right? If a yeah. guy's playing right tackle, Brian Point, can he slip in and make that move um, uh, for that? So, again, I, the portal season is effectively over. Um, you know, the only thing we kind of didn't hit was a defensive back. But I think, again, is that because we've got some guys who are pretty, pretty well regarded coming in or actually take that back. They're all there now. Everybody yeah. finished their enrollments. Everybody's everybody's okay. there. They're yeah. doing summer workouts. We're seeing social media hit that up. So it'll be interesting. Right, well I think yeah I think the big thing with that is that when we looked at 
um, the three positions that we said were in need, uh, there were two where we needed for sure front line or like first line depth. Yep. Help. It was like those DN and offensive line. We needed somebody. We needed an extra body there. Um, we've got bodies in, in, in the DB arena. We just have probably a little bit more unproven talent than I think we'd like. So I, if, if I had to weigh where I was going to fill in, I, if you only had to take two of the three, that's the two I would have picked. 100%. Because with, because with the defensive backs, we already feel it, it was that we needed the fourth. We needed that fourth corner that could do a little bit of everything. So we'll see how it plays during the season. All right, let's flip over to the class of 24. Um, and it looks like it might be turning into a really good one. Currently, 247 has us overall at the 247 level at 24. And composite rank at 24. Y'all, six in, six in the June, ACC. Six in the ACC. It's June. It's June. We ain't going to discuss anything, but several Junes ago, it won't looking good. But now it's looking much better, and we have had basically a six pack of players recruit or, or commit over the last few days. And I want to start with the one, and this is this is way back, you know, a few weeks ago, actually right out a week ago, June. Um, in June was Tommy Ricard, a six foot four, two hundred sixty five interior offensive lineman from Hudson. Uh, Ohio, a 87 um, by 247, top 30 player in the state of Ohio, top 60 interior offensive lineman. Uh, I'm going to pitch to Brian on this one. Brian, what would you, uh, you think of uh, Tommy? Because I know you probably looked at a little tape. Yeah, I mean, pr- uh, pretty solid recruit overall. Um, you know, 87 on 247, you know, right there uh, about the same level. Uh, composite. Um, I mean, looks good. Um, you know, similar problems to a lot of offensive linemen coming out of high school. You know, could use a little bit better work with his uh, with his hands and his feet. But um, I, I think he's got a good motor, uh, and I think he's going to be a good player for us. We'll see how he develops. Uh, offensive line is such a crapshoot a lot of times as, as far as you know, how, how, what, what, what are the ceiling? Where's the, where's the ceiling? You, it's really hard to tell where that ceiling is kind of coming out of high school, but I think he's a solid guy that I think can grow into the position and, uh, and, and give us some, some good overall, uh, action long-term. We'll just see if he's going to develop into a starting caliber player. His brother in the NFL too. That helps. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I didn't What's the brother's name? Shit. I can't remember. He <laughs> plays for, um, he plays for um, the Ravens. I think he's a fullback. He's actually all pro. He's all pro fullback too. Yeah, Patrick. Patrick yeah. Ricard. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that he is a damn good fullback. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good bloodline right there. Then yeah. So I was going to say. So what? And a lot of times people say, you know, that doesn't matter. You know, it if does. it's a coach's kid or if it's some NFL bloodline or stuff like that, what that helps is as a athlete you're gonna hit a wall yeah you don't know when you're gonna hit it but you're gonna hit a wall when you got somebody who's already been through it and then they've went to the next level they can tell you okay i know how to help you get through this so when he gets to college looks like he's 6'4 265 he gets there and he goes calls his brother up and goes hey man everybody's bigger than me and faster than me and he can go boom this is what i think you can do so it helps to have somebody like that just besides the skill that he has. So 
I like that the most about him. Like Brian said, I watched a little film on him. Um, I think that 87 range uh, is about where we should be punching on most of our commits. Um, if that's our floor on our commits, I think we have some solid classes. You know, every now and then somebody is going to overshoot their ranking or undershoot it. But I think when we're going and we're evaluating and we're looking at people, that 87 range is about what we need to be. We need to stay out of them 82s and 84s, what we had, you know, maybe a couple of years ago and things like that. But solid commit. All righty. So awesome. So I'm glad y'all like Tommy Ricard. Um, again, I like the size. Again, Tally, you've been kind of preaching it the last – ever since you've been with us. Mm-hmm. Size. If they've got that size on the offensive line, it makes it a lot easier. All right. Another guy who has some size for his position and committed is Quinn Reddish down from Independence, which Independence is a power um, – down in the state of North Carolina. He's 6'3", he's 185. He's ranked as a three-star, 86. 34 in the state of North Carolina. Um, What are y'all seeing on him? He's got the body. He's got the build to be a safety. Tally, what do you think of him? It's Again, when I'm looking at – I looked at a little bit of film on the kid, and I love the 6'3". You know, I love the 6'3", almost 200 pounds being in high school. And, again – when we talk about rankings, you'd say he's right at 85, something like that. Um, he doesn't strike me from what I've seen as like most Phillips. When I looked at his film, I was like, yeah, he's shooting. He's shooting above his ranking. Like he just looked different. You know what I mean? And it was like he just can't kind of came out of nowhere. Then we seen him in the spring game, and I was like, okay, that's what I thought. So – He's still in high school. I gotta, I gotta see him for a little bit and, and check up on him. Not saying he's not gonna be a good recruit, but I wasn't as excited about uh, Reddish as some people were. But again, I'm just the guy behind the computer right now, so uh, I will be watching though. I'll be watching, and I hope he does some big things. He's got a year left in high school to to turn it up. Ryan, what do you think of him? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with Tally. Um, I, I feel like he's got a good solid skill set um, that he's bringing out the gate. Um, we'll see if he can you know, punch above his weight class. Um, I haven't necessarily seen anything that indicates that in the tape, kind of like Tally said, but um, you know, solid, solid pickup. And, and, you know, I think the big thing, and we're going to talk about this a lot later, but, you know, I think the development for Virginia tech is going to start leveling up a little bit. So we'll see if he can grow into that position and, uh, and make some noise. All right. Good deal. Well, What's happened over the last two days has kind of been crazy. And it, uh, it, it started with someone we're going to bring on in just a couple minutes here. But let's talk about the other three that we've brought on since then. And it's first of all, let's take Andrew Hanchuk, another Cleveland kid. Uh, 6'5", 260 on the defensive line, Tally. Tally immediately got happy when he saw that weight and size. He's an yeah. 86. He's a top 40 Ohio kid. Um and just kind of looking at it, held some interest, you know, from West Virginia and some other schools down there in the MAC. Um, but it, it, you know, you had JC and Marv on him, and yep. all when he when he committed, everybody was like offensive lineman, offensive lineman. It's like yep. that kid tagged every defensive coach on the staff. Right. 
Right. I think he's playing defensive line, and I don't right. know. I mean, it's been a whirlwind. We all got jobs. Did anybody, Brian, do you get a chance to check a little bit of his tape out? I looked at a little bit of his tape, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think this is a probably like a solid good depth pick right out the gate. Um, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a big kid. Um, you know, I'd say he plays a little bit too high out of his stance that that'd be my biggest criticism at the gate um but you know we'll see what he can do on the defensive side because that's a different ball of wax so um he shows pretty good uh pretty good motor so that's what you're going to need on the defensive side of the ball so um solid pickup um you know it's not blowing me away but i think it's a very good solid pickup um especially from a big weekend that we had yeah i think i don't know well a lot of people uh, some schools you probably can recruit a certain way. Virginia Tech, I think, is a little bit different. I've never understood people saying, oh, we can take them in December. Oh, we can take them in. Mm-mm. I feel like where we are and what we're doing now, if somebody's – if we're interested and they want to come, let them come. Because you you can always say, hey, this ain't working out. We got somebody else. Hey, you got to find somewhere to go. But when you're scrambling at the end of a recruiting class and trying to fill a spot, it's not a good look, and that just doesn't work out for us. So uh, I don't, I don't like the. We could have took him at another time. So I didn't have a problem with him taking him, uh, especially when you're building momentum like we're doing. Hey man, if you got some people that's that's interested and we're interested, make it happen. So yep, keep it, keep that train rolling. We need it. We want it rolling all through the summer because if I mean we we're so used to come on now we Virginia Tech fans we so used to some bad publicity during the summer that any positive publicity that we get we happy so you know I, I, I'm excited about that hundred percent tally hundred percent well the, the the ball kept rolling and it kept rolling yesterday six foot seven two hundred seventy five pound three star and eighty seven ranked a top fifteen player in the state of New Jersey New Jersey can put out some uh. Some dogs out there. Aiden Lynch from Mount Olive High School in Flanders, New Jersey. Um, you know, had quite a had quite a few guys. Did get some interest from Georgia, Michigan State, Nebraska, Penn State. So he had some eyes on him, and he committed to the Hokies. Brian, I know you looked at his tape. As soon as Brian sees an offensive lineman commit, it's like pause what I'm doing. Yeah. Got you to take. You got to check it out. He got yeah. To- and the the size jumps off right at the gate. You got you got six good seven. wingspan, good size. Um, you know, you six seven, two seventy five. Um, that's the kind of size you like coming out of high school. Um, good player. Good. Um, I, I I think he's a little bit more po- probably the most polished of the guys that we've talked about today on the, oh, from wow. a technique standpoint. So I'm excited about him. Looking forward exactly to what I was doing. Right, exactly what I was going to say, Brian, because I checked it out a little bit. And the problem that you run into with linemen like that, they're just so big, um, six, seven, and they play high. It's all strength, yeah. not technique. He, but, but when he, I mean, being six, seven, he has some pretty, like Brian said, he's pretty polished with his technique, you know what I'm saying? To be able to use those arms, those long arms, and uh, um, actually have good technique and not play so high. So I was excited to see, I was excited to see that pickup. I think that's a, a good pickup, and I think again, that's where that's our sweet spot. That's where we shoot. So that's where we shoot. Well, well let's talk about the last guy in because we shot a little higher for him. And you know what? Somebody who's going to join us in just a couple minutes told us it's one more on the way. It's one more on the way, and he won't lie. And that's Marcellus Barnes Jr. at a McCallie School down in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a composite four star. 
He is right at the 300 national rank. He is a top 10 player in the state of Tennessee. Now, they're ranking him as a corner and a top 25 one at that. And, I mean, you kind of look at his offer list. You know, you got Florida State. You got Baylor. You got Georgia. You got a ton of schools showing interest in this kid. And, Tally, what would you think of him? Because that's kind of down your way near Chattanooga. Yeah, well, so – yeah, so that's a the school that he goes to okay. is an all boys school. Uh, so I know he's got a lot of testosterone built up, you know. And ain't no women on that campus. <laughs> he ready to get and see some get and see some women. But anyway, we will get out of that. We'll get as out of that. Far, as far as a recruit goes, watching his tape, he, he's he's six two. You know, again, you're looking at size coming from the safety or corner position, and he's coming downhill and he's making tackles. I've seen him. Uh, I think somebody posted on Twitter uh, him setting the edge. If you can get a corner in high school to set an edge or a safety to set the edge and turn the play back inside, but also make the play, yep. like you pretty, you're badass. So uh, he was. I didn't, over there. I yes, didn't know did. much about him. I'm on, I ain't gonna lie to you because I didn't think we had. I mean, I seen him before, but I didn't think we had much of a shot. Uh, but you know, like you said, somebody we got coming on might have played a part in that. So we 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 start turning some heads, man, and shit. Let's go, let's get it. Let's but get that it. school that he goes to is a good school to get in, because that, that's one of the big schools in Chattanooga. That's about an hour and a half away from me. Okay, uh, that's a that's a big school, and that I don't want to say a powerhouse, but they're close to it. It's a good they got, school. They, they putting out guys. Yeah, it's a good. It's a big school. Year. It's a nice. It's a good school. That's when you start seeing it, Brian. Did you get any quick looks at him? Man, the big thing that stands out to me is just length and size, man. You, you get a corner that can play with some leverage like that, that's big. So, um, big pickup for me. I mean, that that's one of those guys that, you know, you kind of get one of those, from a Virginia Tech perspective, one of those every three or four classes. So, I mean, I, I think that's a solid pickup. 100%. Well, I've been teasing it about the last three or four minutes here while talking about it, but let's just be straight up. All of this got kicked off by one individual – announcing his commitment just a few days ago. He's a 6'4 linebacker. He's 195 pounds per 247. He'll tell us his actual weight when he gets on here, maybe. From St. Vincent Pilate High School in Laurel, Maryland, a four-star, both 247 and composite, a top 247, a top 220 player in the country, one of the best players in Maryland. On three says he is the best player in Maryland. I agree with them. Surprise guest appearance. Joining us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Gabe Williams. Gabe, how are you tonight, man? I'm good. How y'all doing? We are What's doing up, good. Gabe? Thank you for thank for you for messaging Brian there and telling us you wanted to hop on for a few minutes, man. Because uh Gabe, you know, you've been did, busy, man. You have been busy. <laughs> you've been working it. You've man. been turning it up, man. You've been turning it up. Working the phones, it. working the Twitter sphere. Um but thank you for taking a few minutes of your time. And let, let me ask this, because it, it's already clear how much you love Virginia Tech, just what you're doing. Why? Why was it Virginia Tech? Because, man, I'm looking at your offer list here. Uh, you could have went anywhere you wanted. Um, first, what really caught my eyes, um, Coach Brooks. Um, so Coach Brooks from Maryland, he was actually my first offer. So okay. we always had that close relationship. And, you know, we was a family friend and stuff like that. So. When he told me he was making the move to Virginia Tech, it automatically made my list, you know. So I went up there for a spring practice. And I'm like, hold on, I actually like it, you know. Mm-hmm. Sitting down with Coach Marvin, Coach Quinn, and Coach Pry, um, 
and, you know, them just having a vision for me of being the face of the defense and, you know, just doing everything in the defense. That really caught my eye. So I knew it was a place for me. I just came back on the official to make sure. So, um, yeah, and the people there, the, the environment and the, the the opportunity to come in and make an early impact, that's really what caught my eye. Now, Gabe, right? I don't know how many fan bases you've interacted with, but over <laughs> here at Virginia Tech, man, we hey, we pay attention. We be we all in it. So when I seen you getting ready to go on your official, I said, this motherfucker got a, a van, a, a, a party bus? Oh, yeah, he about to commit. I knew something was up. I seen the party bus, man. I knew something was up. But that was pretty cool, man. Like, again, seeing stuff like that from commits like you, because a high-profile guy like yourself, man, to – take your time and do stuff like that to interact with fan base, to put just, you know, a minute video out. That's, that's big to fans, man. So we appreciate that. Oh man. Thank y'all, man. So when you go on the, on the recruiting trip, uh, they talk about whether you're going to kind of slide in Sam, Will, kind of a little bit of everything. What, um, what's, what's those discussions been like? So basically it's, it's really, so right now they want me to play the star position, but they said I could play boundary safety, the mic in the world, depending on how much weight I put on. But they told me I could pretty much play everywhere. And that's really what I told you caught my eye. So really, and the star does everything. He blitzes, he covers, he plays man. And that's pretty much what I show on my highlight tape and stuff like that. So it's just like yeah. second nature. When you talk about covering, uh, I think I heard you talking on uh, on the, the 4 podcast. You said that you played corner and you, you just hit a growth spurt, right? Yeah, I was playing safety corner. I was a DB. I was training with yeah. DBs, and then I just caught a growth spurt, so they moved me up closer to the line. But you know, so my sophomore year in high school, if they ever had like a big receiver or you know, unguardable dude, they'll slide me out there. So nice. I still got that in my background and stuff like that. Yes, sir. Well, we definitely need that. <laughs> we got PTSD of get of, of some of our linebackers getting caught on a slot receiver <laughs> and getting put on, getting put on skate. So. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely keeping up with you. So, it's so big wanna, to hear that that's that's part of your skill set as well. Yeah, and I want to ask how big that plays into it because obviously we all see Micah Parsons. That is a that is a that's right from that's Coach Prize guy, right? We saw him coaching from the beginning to basically a top fifteen linebacker pick. You don't see linebackers going the top fifteen anymore. You just don't. But what he did with Micah, it was that versatility. When someone, when you see that, and you see. Brent Pry and Chris Marv, they know how to use these pieces. They know my skill set. Like you said, you're going to put you out of star. We got to talk to Keonta Jenkins last year, um, who's playing that position currently. And, you know, Keonta came from a safety position. But when you have someone who has that sort of pedigree of building those players and not just, oh, he's a great linebacker. Michael Parsons can do everything. And, man, I hear you saying you've played corner, you're playing safety, you're playing linebacker in high school this year. How does it feel to go to a coach that you know has developed one of the best in the NFL that done that? Um, it's definitely a, a plays a big part because like you don't want to go like me. I have a lot of big offers, but when they try to tell you you're this or you're this, you know what I'm saying? I want to go somewhere that plays me everywhere and shows all of my versatility because I feel like that's what separates me. That's probably why I'm ranked so high because I could do everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So why would I go to a college that's going to turn me into an edge rusher when I know I could do edge rush and cover? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yep. Um, and also that played a big part because joining the ACC, like I knew a lot of people don't believe it, but the ACC has the best athletes, you know. And also I don't have to be 230, you know what I'm saying, taking on the huge power five linemen like they got in Iowa, Wisconsin, you know what I'm saying? So it was just a – I was just thinking, you know. 
Y'all better listen. Like, it was smart, man. Yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. Like, you, you were thinking smart, and what's best for Gabe Williams? Yeah. yeah. That's what's best for Gabe Williams. Best for Gabe Williams is show the league everything I can do. And with Coach Prime, them telling you what, the best stuff you do, we're going to put you in the best position to do it. And I love that, man, because we got a chance two weeks ago to sit down with Coach Pryor right here. Right. And he's something. He coached he's by something. a great – he coached by Coach Quinn, Coach Marv, Coach Pryor, Coach Adibi. Like, a lot of people don't speak about Coach Adibi, but Coach Adibi was a dog, you know. He, he was, was a dog. Oh, yeah. He was a dog. Yes, man. he was, man. And then already Sticks. plugged in with the – then I'm already plugged in with the other linebackers like Trey, Tremaine Edmonds, you know what I'm saying? So it's just just the, the connection that I already have with the guys and the people who already walked through this program, you know, and they believe in me. So it's really just to believe, you know. So that's really what got me going, trying to get this 24 class together because I'm like, like you know, the opportunities here, y'all just got to come take it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you you really hit the ground running, man. I, and we appreciate that. I mean, <laughs> the engagement that you've been able to generate man, wide in the last two or three days uh, has been amazing. Wow. And I'm glad that Hokie Nation has kind of, you know, rode that wave with you. So that, that's been that's, good, I think, for everybody. That's the way I feel like that. The reason why it was hard for Maryland to stop the recruitment is because it didn't have the fan base, you know. So mm-hmm. if you go somewhere with the fan base, it makes it easier to recruit. See, I'm making my job easier, you know. I just tell the guys like we got a we got a fan base that believes in us. You know they didn't have the past years that they wanted, but they're still here and they're still trying to support the guys. You know, um, and then I get them on the phone, Coach Pry and all of them, and then you know y'all do y'all work, and then boom, we got another commitment. That's how it works. I'm telling you, it's the, yeah. the philosophy that I be. Man, you're you're you're, you're ahead of your you're ahead of your <laughs> age, man. Like, bro, you you got a long football career to play, but you already talking like a like I'm a salesman, but that's what I do. <laughs> Shit, you talking like a salesman already, man. It's the it's just the way I was recruited, so I know which recruitment works and which doesn't. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I think I see people already trying to copy how you doing it though. Mm. I ain't gonna uh, copy. Nah, nah. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Right. I see some people trying to but, trying to use your tactics already. That, They're trying to use the tactics, but they ain't Gabe. They ain't nah, Gabe Williams. They, they yeah, turning it up. How you do it, man? Yeah. First of all, yeah. it's you. They don't got the hooky fan base, man. They ain't got us. I love hearing that too, man. They, they ain't got us because you you effectively have sent the dogs out. Because what you did last night to Obina, you sent the dogs out. You <laughs> flooded his – like, literally, <laughs> like, this kid's going elsewhere. And literally, when he did that comment, it was just, okay, 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 okay. And, oh, and they I lit him up. feeling some tactics now, but, man – it, 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 your, your personality is great. We've been talking to you with you just a handful of minutes here. Your personality is great. Clearly, you have a passion for the school. You have a passion to play. And let, let me ask this. You don't have to tell us because I don't know everything. But if able, will you enroll early next year? Yeah, if able, trying to get that done right now, man. I'm trying to be get there in, 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 in January, bro. Yeah. We're getting that done. We need that. <laughs> yeah, get get a jump out there. Get out there in spring. See what you can do against the uh, the upperclassmen and uh, I'm gonna you know, get ready to I turn up do. in fall. I'm going to show y'all what I can do, man. Yeah, the Hokie yeah. Nation, everybody who's been engaging with, with Gabe, man, y'all better be on his feed, checking out his games. You know what I'm saying? When he's posting Hell stuff, yeah. I need y'all to get on it, man. Yep. Y'all got to keep it. Yes, it, it, you know what I'm saying? That's what we do. 
I'm t- we got some Hokies, man. We got. I'm telling y'all. I wish I could tell y'all everything. I know. I know. <laughs> we ain't getting in trouble. We don't get in trouble. They gave us Coach Pride. We don't want to get in trouble right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to tell y'all. Just I know, man. We're patient. We're patient. We We're can patient. wait. We patient. We patient. The thing is, I'm not patient. I want to say it. You know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Listen, I seen the I seen the edit and everything. But why are you waiting? Like, <laughs> all right, y- y'all y'all heard it here first. It's definitely gonna bump us up to top fifteen. Oh, we twenty four right now. Ooh, top fifteen. Oh, all right. Well, listen, Gabe. I don't want to get you in trouble. I'm not. No. <laughs> I appreciate. Listen, we appreciate you joining us, man. Um, so. Yeah. We got a bunch of stuff. We hope you listen to the rest of the night because what we're talking about, and this is the one piece, like this this is one of the pieces we're going to talk about tonight, y'all. How do we return to the power of what Virginia Tech was? Gabe, you got three guys up here. I turned 40 in a couple months. Brian's 39, Tally 38. We grew up, man. I saw a DB play. We saw X play on the field. Mm-hmm. That man was nasty. We saw JG. We saw Winslow play on the field. We saw Pearson play on the field. We saw all those coaches who are Hokies play that are going to be coaching you that played on that field. And I hear the passion in your voice, and I hear the things you're trying to do. You're trying to bring the best players as just a recruit and as a commit right now. And I just I want to say it like we're talking about tonight, returning to power. And I think a player like you and that mentality, that's how we're going to get back to where we were. Man, we're gonna have like five of me, man. It's gonna, Here we go, there baby. There we go. Love we're that. Game. I'm telling y'all, it's gonna be to the point. Like in the next couple of weeks, it's gonna be to the point. Where we're gonna be like, we can't even take you no more. Like we're already full. Like you know, so it's gonna be. Y'all don't understand, but this division, man. <laughs> I'm gonna go start cooking the popcorn right now. Yeah. <laughs> division. All right. We are we are ready for it. You you keep dropping the tea leaves for us. Yeah, and if you're not in the group chat, the group chat understands, man. I give, I give. Well, we get it. No, oh no, we're in the group chat. I got. We're in the group chat. Uh, all three, of, all four of us in the group I, chat. You've I been dropping the tea, and it's you've been telling us. I, I you've been telling us, man. Hey, Beanie, man. Hey, Beanie, watching. Come on, man. Come on, Beanie. There we go. Yeah, Beanie, quit playing around. Let's go. <laughs> Bullshit, Beanie. <laughs> All right, well, Gabe, we appreciate you taking a little bit out of your time tonight, young no man. Because it's summer. T- You're still a 17 year old. 17, you 16. 16, man. 16. He's supposed to be 2025. 20, <laughs> yes, sir. I am. I am. You so, well, you a 16 year old kid giving a bunch of hokey fans us tonight a hell of a time. So listen, we're gonna let you go, man. Have a good evening. We'll continue to chat with you. Um, oh man, now you got a you got a dog up here talking Who about that? you. That's the white Vic. The that's white the, Vic, that's the original Vic. Big the original Vic. Vic played from '94 to '98, all Big East. Um, he's the white. He is. Uh, he's Mike's uh, second cousin. Yep, that's all, the, the 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 OG Vic. He, he started the, the Vic's Vic. coming. Yeah, he started the Vic's coming to the Virginia Tech. There you go. He's real active on Twitter. So, Gabe, if you don't follow him yet, or if you haven't had, he does a he has a lot of podcasts and uh, things yep. like that. Actually, him and Mike have a podcast together. Yep. Yep. So if you haven't started following Dwight, man, give him a follow when you get an opportunity. He's a great follow. One thing I can say, though, the recruiting is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. know how hard it was, but it's hard, man. Like, oh, yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. But it, but it takes what you got, though. It takes passion. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what the coaches uh, 
we ain't got to talk a lot about them, but I think that's what the coaches lacked that we had. So it's great that we got Pry and the guys in, Marv, uh, which I've known Marv for a long time. My, my first cousin is a high school coach, and um, he he's interacted with Marv a lot when Marv was uh, – Marv went to uh, Vanderbilt, and then he was at Florida yeah. State. So my cousin uh, interacted with him a lot, man. And they just – it's passion, man. And, and being real with people. Being mm-hmm. real with people, man. That's, so, that's really what – caught my eye, you know what I'm saying? They don't when I went there they didn't just pat me on the ass, you know what I'm saying? It just you know, they told me what I needed to work on and stuff like that. So that's really what caught my attention too. Like the realness, you know. Um it was like you're good at this, but you like this. You know what I'm saying? So we've been working on stuff like that, you know, and we're about to start Zoom calls during the week and stuff like that. So I can get to learn the defense and stuff like that. So it's like I'm gonna already be ready. So it's I'm telling you, uh <laughs> about to get crazy well man we appreciate your passion we appreciate what you're doing for us and we look forward to watching y'all all uh your your senior year on to getting into virginia tech so yes, have sir. a good night man we appreciate you thank y'all go hokies go, go hokies. hokies that was awesome well pretty good. Awesome. I, I love a good in, uh impromptu interview impromptu as heck i mean shelton by the way uh shelton we're gonna now let you comment because shelton has been completely off Twitter. So he, him hearing us name everybody who's been committing is the first time he's heard it. And just tell us what you think of Gabe, man. Cause like he's a top ranked kid. You know, when you hear a kid come on like that and spewing that, what's that tell you about him? Dude, it's, it's great to see. I mean, from what I can tell already, he's just a smart, mature, mature, young kid, uh, mature beyond his years. Um, and getting a guy like that, especially in the DMV, um, I think yep. I think Brian and I were talking earlier, texting earlier about how important the DMV is and trying to lock that area down because there's a lot of talent in that in that area. So mm-hmm. that's that's a big time pickup. Definitely. Shout out to uh, shout out to Elijah Brooks, man. Yeah. Yep. Great, great pickup by by Coach Pry. Great pickup. I Definitely mean, t- made a difference since he's been I- here. You know, I, I know, we, I know, we had we talked about it a little bit already, but I, we're gonna look back at some of these uh, these off season moves and, and on the coaching staff and say we had a little bit of a addition by subtraction there. I, I feel like so. Man, great, great pickup by Brooks, hundred percent. All right, we forty five in and we ain't got you the main topic tonight. So boys, <laughs> get, get your get your get your get your long gear on because we're gonna be going a while because that was awesome. I love having, like you said though, Shelton, kid sixteen year old. He, he very mature talking, very sure discussions about – you know what I loved what he said right at the end there, Tyler, before you, uh, before you let him off? They know what I'm good at, but they know what I'm not good at. <coughs> want me to be better at what I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. And they're telling me that now when yeah, they're actually trying to man. win me, not, not, not once I'm on campus and they're yeah, trying right. to win games with me. They're telling me now when they're still trying to – get me to commit here. I think that's big. That speaks, you know, to what we talked about when we had Pry on a couple of weeks back about the right, the realness. I mean, he's, he's, he's real. Gonna tell, he's going to tell you what, it, what it is. I mean, he's, he, he, he might tell it to you in a way that, you know, doesn't make you feel bad about it, but he's going to be real with you. He's going to be real with you. <laughs> All right. And I said it while he was talking with us and I went a little bit hardcore. Cause I've said 40, 39, 38. I know you ain't 39 yet, Brian. I ain't 40 yet. Tally, I know you ain't 38 quite yet. Right. So, you round it up. It's okay. I round it up. That's what I did. <laughs> We've been talking about how do we get return to power? How do we get to back to where we were when we were – Sheldon, you were a baby, 
and we were in our 20s doing all sorts of crazy stuff. How do we get back there? And we were going to start off tonight, and we're going to talk about conference realignment because it's been a hot topic, and it is something when you're returning to power, it's got to be looked at. And I want to start first. When it came out just a couple weeks ago about the Magnificent Seven, us, Clemson, FSU, Miami, UNC, NC State, and UVA all kind of getting together, chatting about each other. Brian, what did that tell you when, when that popped out that there was a, a group of teams effectively kind of chatting about each other like, you know, how long can we actually deal with this shit? I mean, I think it, it speaks to the unrest with the current um, payouts that the ACC has for their bigger programs, especially the, the programs that are drawing eyes to the television, right? Mm-hmm. So these are programs that have enough clout, even in bad seasons, that they're going to put up good ratings consistently, even against you know bad opponents, even when that team itself is is like us last year, a three and eighteen. Um, and you know you look at Virginia Tech. Obviously, you got Clemson. Um, we know how good they've been. Um, you know you look at uh, at FSU. They're back on the rise. They have such a, a consistent fan base. Um, you know, Miami is who they are. You, you got UNC, NC State, very passionate fan base, very much land grant university, just like Virginia Tech. So, I mean, NC State's probably as close to a sister school in the ACC as we can get. And then you got UVA, which is more of the truly Olympic um, sport dominance. I mean, so when you, you, you kind of look at all those together, I mean, it makes sense that that is kind of the group that was looking to to make some moves. And Tally, I can understand uh, their, I can understand their frustration with the current state of the media payout. Because right. It's it, when you compare it to like universities in the big 10 and the sec, it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Sheldon tell anything to add on top of that. Yeah. I mean, motherfuckers just tired of playing on the cooking network at 11 <laughs> o'clock. You know, it don't matter if we only won three games, you know what I'm saying? We'll put up a graphic later on. It's other teams that's been winning three games and they playing at times and playing on, you know, playing on networks that's much better than some of the stuff that we've had to do. And you got to find a stream and stuff. Like when you have a, a fan base that's as passionate as ours, like you got to give them a product. You know what I mean? As far as on the field, but also even we just missed the ball on a lot of stuff lately. So, um, yeah, what Brian is saying, like the, 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 the schools that have been the magnificent seven looking to make a move, I definitely understand why. Kevin, you got anything on this? Yeah, I mean, nothing like super insightful. Um, I just think it's kind of crazy that, like, over the next 10 or so years, whenever the, the contract expire, Vanderbilt's going to be making $40 million a year more than FSU and Clemson. So yeah, I don't know. Right. To what degree, to what degree can FSU and Clemson actually tolerate that? I don't know. But they're gonna have to lure their ass out of that that GOR because it's, it's damn really right. bad for the league. And I'm gonna definitely ask that. The only reason, I, the one thing that I will say about these seven schools about this happening is people can say, "Oh, no, there's been no there's been no communication between bullshit." If they're coming up and they're talking to each other, there has been communication from other conferences. I would bet my ass on that because there ain't no need to talk about it unless there's potentially somewhere to go. Now, I'm going to flip to you on this, uh, Shelton. 
Is it just basically covering a gunshot wound with a Band-Aid with the ACC's due pay structure, trying to pay the better you do, the more you get? Yeah, from the research I've seen, it's a very, very small impact. Like, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but that's that's like chump change. It's, it's not going to change much. Like, you have to change the actual structure of the television contract. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Y'all boys got anything on that? I mean, great. You get I get all of my bowl money. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. <laughs> that great. date on a gunshot wound. It's $18 million. Combined, <laughs> it's pretty get, fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it's bullshit. And, and then it goes to grant of rights because you just said it, the grant of rights thing. And here's the thing, though. And eventually, this is probably what could kill the ACC. It can't be broken right now. Although there are rumors about a part of it that could be broken in a couple years. Somebody's got to show the new grant of rights before that can be seen. But it only takes eight to dissolve the league. It only takes eight. There's clearly seven that ain't happy about where they are. You found an eight that has a partner with a lot more money that can bring into that program. Do y'all think that will happen before we see anything? Do you think the grant of rights be dissolved? Whoever wants to lead this. Sally, I'll let you roll first on this one. Hell, I don't know. Shit, I was waiting to see what you had to say. <laughs> I'm just, I'm kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised Pitt and Louisville weren't in there. At least one of them. Yeah, I, I can see Louisville more than Pitt, to be honest, because I feel like they, they have some of the more elements that are both attractive to the Big Ten and to the SEC in terms of, you know, probably the Big Ten a little bit more because they're getting an additional market that they don't have right now. Yeah. Um, although Penn State's got a big hold in Pennsylvania. See, I think what's going – this is my opinion, my opinion only. I think the eight teams going to go to the Big 12. And I think what they're going to look at, it's like Louisville or Pitt. Good, 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 good call on those two, Shelton. For the Big 12, it's – well, it's a different market. We pick up someone closer. You kind of have that Cincinnati, West Virginia. You've got that little Rust Belt feel to it. And they're going to look back and say, okay, we can't get here and here because – whatever but can we is it okay to make 15 or 20 million more a year not 30 to 45 million more a year and i eventually think that's what's gonna happen there's gonna be someone in there that just says you know what fuck this goddamn 30 million dollars a year the big 12 can give us 55 i wish we could get 85 but you know what if we want to stay relevant we got to do that that's that's my opinion and I think that's eventually what's going to kill the ACC unless they can rene- renegotiate the contract. Because the honest truth is, and I'll say this deadpan, should the ACC be making as much money as the SEC or the Big Ten? No, they don't pull the ratings. Should they be making as much less that they are right now? No. I think it's closer than people think, but that is what it is. Well, at least these at least these to be higher than what the Big, Big 12, 12 is making now. right now, which is, it's not. It's not. Right. That's the bullshit part of it. Right. All right. And it's not even going to be once, you know, Texas and Oklahoma take a fucking hike. So, right. oh, they took the dip. They took the dip. Yeah. They basically renegotiated at basically. But a, it's still going to be above the ACC, even at the renegotiated level. It's true. All right. I'm going to start with you on this, Shelton. What's your preference? The Big Ten or the SEC? Uh, definitely the SEC. Okay. Um, I, would rather, I would rather lose to LSU by 40. Just to lose to LSU by forty, than, uh, <laughs> and play a Big Ten football game. Like I would, I don't care. I don't. I don't care. I want to see Justin. I want to see Justin Jefferson Jr. I want to see Justin Jefferson Jr. in Lane Stadium 
I, I don't care. I just I just want to see them. I want to see the SEC the the SEC music uh, on the TV broadcast. Like I just I want that. You say SEC music? Yeah, the intro. Well, I guess they're not on TV. They're going to the Big Ten, so does that change yeah, it? <laughs> no, <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. With everything that you just said was good for you, bad for me. Because if we go to the SEC, I live in the middle of SEC country. I don't want to get fucked up by Alabama, Auburn, Texas, Tennessee every week. No, I'm good on that. But I do understand what you're saying. I'm just saying if we can get more money, we got two options. We can get more money with both options. I'd like to take the little bit of path of least resistance. I want to win a little bit more games. Like I'm 37, man. I'm not trying to get beat by 40. You younger than me. Shit. <laughs> I might be dead by the time we start beating them. I don't want to wait that long. I want to win now. I want to see some wins, man. That's just me. But I can understand where Sheldon's coming from. We, we get Sheldon's gift here. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with Tally a little bit. I think the Big Ten is a good fit probably from an entire athletic department standpoint. You know, when you think about wrestling and things like that, I think if you're just looking at the football side of it, the SEC is a better fit. Um, but at the same time, when, when I, when I compare the two travel overall is going to be about the same. So that's to me, not, not much of a factor. You know, some people are t- will talk weather that's maybe affecting three games a year. Right. I mean, it's cold as shit in Blacksburg shit. and Blacksburg in October, in late October and early yeah, November right. anyway. So that's not that's not a big deal to me. Um, so it really comes down to if we go to the Big Ten, you know, if if we take some steps, we could potentially be, you know, that fifth or sixth, maybe seventh best program in in the conference at some point in the near future. I, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if we in the near future are the sixth or seventh best team in the SEC no, in the next two to three years. Yeah, so if you're, if you're looking to be competitive in the, in the conference um, and also still reaping the financial benefits, the big 10 is the answer. And see, as, as cool as Shelton, you, uh, you, you made it, you, you, you made it like seeing LSU planet Alabama, having them come. See, that's the funny part. We're old. 20 years ago, we saw LSU and Texas A&M come to Lane Stadium. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but it, it's more of what this – I don't know who this is. I wish they had their name. Because effectively, I think with the Big Ten, if, if to me, I'm looking at it as a, as a whole. Wisconsin and Iowa, they always do what they do out in the West. Nebraska has to prove it can get back. There's three main ones. And I, I look in the whole realm of it, and it's like, if tech gets back where it was just a decade ago, just at the end of the two thousands or the late two thousands, early two thousand tens, it can be the fourth or third best in that conference. Yeah. And, and then also it's the travel piece of, you know, Maryland, Rutgers, Ohio state, Indiana, they're five, six hour drives. Brian, you made the point. It's, it's not, it's overall, it's not going to be anything, but I feel like the Big Ten's a better fit. I also, and this is the way I feel, I think the Big Ten wants that D.C., Northern Virginia market. I think they feel if they look at us, they're saying, we're not only getting that market, we're going to get the Charlotte market too. We're going to get this big market where they can pull two to 
two and a half, three and a half, four and a half million on a normal game day for TV, and that's where it goes. And they might get some of that triad too. That's true. Triad. All right, last piece. I'll let y'all go just real quick, and I'll name mine first. I think, yes, we can return to power outside of the Big Two because I think the way it's going to be set up is they're still going to give crumbs to lower-tier conferences. What about y'all? Um, I think there's a chance because I think with the with the college football playoff coming in, there's still going to be some room for people to eat. Yeah. So if, you, if you're – if you're the big dog at the, you know, whatever the the number three is just below the big two, you're going to at least be in the conversation. People are going to be talking about you. So there's still some potential there. Um, it will be kind of a Big East type situation where you won't get respected until you go out there and, you know, kick somebody in the teeth. Right. Um, but I think you can still get there. Yeah. Piggyback it's a on lot harder. Brian, yeah, I was going to say piggyback on kind of what Brian's saying. Um it's going to be harder, but I think there's an opportunity. And, again, you just can't – what Virginia Tech has as far as the fan base and uh, the venue is just – it's unique to its own. So, uh, it's going to uh, keep attracting people no matter what, no matter what conference. So, um, opportunity, but a lot slimmer. Yep. Significantly lower margin for error. You're essentially talking about you got to be – undefeated or one loss if you want to be relevant yeah, you're outside looking like, of the big two. You're looking like Cincinnati now. Yeah. You know, like a, a school Perfect. like that. Yeah. Perfect way to say it. All right, let's step into next, and it's got to be done. It's got to be talked about the school administration because there's a – I think Tech's got a $1.8 billion endowment. Clearly, we saw from that graphic just the other week, the athletic department is in absolutely no debt while they were able to make that decision to – Effectively take what five point nine million and build uh, a new locker room because you ain't got no debt. It's easy to ask for money. Whit Babcock, as we all know, is a flashpoint discussion when you talk to any Hokey fans. There are people that love Whit. There are people that absolutely hate Whit. But can he be the AD to lead this? Shelton, you're an alumni, so I'm gonna ask you this one first. Can he lead this back to where we want to be? I think he can. Yes. Um, what happened? Uh, TBD. Obviously, there's there's a lot of um, I think politics that goes on inside of you know school administrations, athletic administrations. Like it's really really complex. I think a lot more so than a lot of people on the outside kind of want to admit. Um, I think Wit's done a really good job of obviously building up our Olympic sports programs. Um, you kind of see that with the with the non-revenue sports, the success there. With football, I think it's 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 tricky because obviously you know. He inherited a situation where we had some debt from, from the Weaver era. Um, and it took us a while to kind of build up, you know, the, the fundraising and all that stuff with like support staff and coaching salaries and facilities, like all that stuff takes time. Um, like I said, I think there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. There's a lot of people that have to uh, make decisions about that type of stuff. It's not just wit. It, obviously it falls on him as an AD, but I think tech is in a much better spot uh, resources wise when it comes to those three things that I mentioned uh, they're starting to put more money into the program. And right now, I think it's just a matter of, of Coach Pry being able to, to get the job done. Like, I just think, for me, I just think the coaches have to win games. Like, it's that simple. Yeah. I mean, we're not, you know, this isn't like 2012 where you know, we're falling behind. Like, we've got the money. We've got the money to be a top 30 program, I think. I just think we need the coaches to kind of step up and, and do their jobs. Tally, what do you think? 
I agree. I agree with what Shelton's saying there. Um, you know, even when you I do think it needs to be a little bit more of a focus on football because football is your moneymaker. Um from our perspective, uh from somebody who is um holding the money, who's making the decisions, it's like, well, bas girls, you know, women's basketball is doing this or baseball is going here. Football's still the money maker, but you got to promote that because that's what's winning at the time. But as much as everybody jumped on wit last year or in the past years and say, well, we shouldn't be playing here. Well, we shouldn't be playing here. Well, if we went in and did what the fuck we were supposed to do and beat the shit out of ODU or beat the shit out of Liberty, nobody cares that we go there and play. It's just we didn't get the job done. You know, the players didn't do it and the coaches didn't do it. So – if we do play ODU or we do play Liberty or whoever the fuck we play who's lined up in front of us, if we go in there and the coaches do their job, like Sheldon's saying, I don't think that we hear Witt's name as much, you know, like for scheduling those games. Like we can, we should be winning them. You know, yeah. even at ODU last year, that wasn't Witt's fault that we lost. We may have shouldn't have went there, whatever, but it wasn't his fault that we lost. You know, we made mistakes and we lost the game. You know, if we go down there and we drum them like we're supposed to, then everybody's happy and we're on to the next week. So I think that uh Witt can be in his position and we can and we can start that start that run back up. Gabe Williams already showed us that. Yes, yep. he did. And I mean looking at that, I mean, you know, Witt was kind of dealt a less than ideal hand from the end of the, the Weaver era, right? So you know, I know, I get the focus on building back the, you know, some of the Olympic sports and the non-res because those were heavily neglected. Um, the The entire department was neglected across the board towards the end there, but particularly those uh, kind of le were left flailing by the by the wayside there. Um, you know, he's he's gotten those back to a point where you feel like there's stability, consistently competing. Um, and then we started to see some of the money kind of come back in, but you know, we, we look back, it's, you know, part of that is the, that laissez faire mom and pop style managing that we saw towards the end of the Weaver era. And, and we were just, Beamer was taking care of business and there wasn't a whole lot of money put in there. Um, so I feel like that, that played a big factor in how Witt kind of prioritized football less out the gate, um, and, and probably put him you know, in the, uh, in the target of a lot of, a lot of hokey football fans, because I mean, football is the bell cow, man, football pays the bills. So, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, because of that, hopefully we don't end up losing some of the overall revenue, the, the kind of, you know, raising all boats there, um, because we let football kind of flounder there for a little bit, but I, I definitely think wit can turn it around. Um, you know, we got some good investment coming in now between the locker room, um, you know, some of the, the, the big initiatives on, um, you know, some of the facilities that we're doing and things like that. So, and the, and the bigger emphasis on building the, the staff. So like those, the salary pool for the coaches is big for me. Um, especially when we look at the off field, um, roles as well. So if we can keep moving in that direction, I feel pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with all y'all on this. I think he can be the man to lead the way, just the way he built up the other parts of the program and then what he did effectively in 2018 because he was building it up he was dumping money elsewhere and when that season went down the shitter he pivoted hard and started dumping money back into football 
because he knew effectively it wasn't like it was with Frank. We weren't just going to keep going. It was like that the few first few years, but he pivoted hard. He got those new dorms built. Y'all can remember that happening. Got the new dorms built, made some upgrades to facilities. So I think he saw it, and now he's clearly dumping even more money into the football program. Um, I'm going to be real coy with this one. Is Witt's hands tied by Tim Sands? Because Tim's in his own record and saying effectively he does not believe in the football arms race. That's on record. That's not me just making and pulling something out of my ass. He said that. And now he sits in a conference that's making $40 million a year when there are other conferences making $100 million a year. Do you all think Sands ties his hands? Sheldon kind of hit on that earlier. So, Sheldon, um, what do you think? I actually think his hands are tied by uh, other people in the AD, um, personally. Um, okay. I'm not, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come on a Tim Sands. Like, I think he, like he probably he understands obviously the, the value that football has to Virginia Tech as an institution. So, you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna comment on that. But I do think Witt is sort of like a punching bag for fans who are just mad in one event about the, the state of the program. Um, he's a good AD, obviously. Like like Curtis mentioned, you know. His, his intelligence is not the issue. Like he's done a great job building up the revenue sport, the non-revenue sports, as we talked about. Um, I just think it's a matter of getting, you know, getting the staff the support they need and um, just, you know, having enough time to kind of wait it out. But yeah, as far as Sands goes, like there's probably certain people that also play a factor uh, in that, that type of stuff. So that's kind of my, that's kind of my opinion. And this is another thing too. I mean, just kind of the same point, but a little bit different. I always hear Virginia Tech fans talk about <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I always hear Virginia Tech fans talking about oh he's a he's a what they say a snake sell, a snake oil salesman or he's a used car salesman or something talking about different coaches. Well fuck it. You gotta be some kind of salesman. And we punted six years with a coach who was just like, Hey, this is what it is. You know, until it came to the end and then he says, Oh, I need help, or I need this, or I need that. You got to have a coach that can stand in front of not just wit, but stand in front of the athletic department and say, for us to be successful, this is what we got to do. So he's got to be a salesman to do that. And I think Pry's been doing that. The way that he came in and the way that he he hit the ground running, I know it's been, it seems like it's been years and years ago, but when he arrived, him going to all the different th- events and shaking hands and kissing babies and, and, and setting that groundwork, you got to be able to do that to show the athletic department where you're trying to get to as a football department. So, 100%. All right, this is a simple yes or no question. Can this administration, Sands, everybody in the athletic department, with included, can they fast track enough resources in the next five years, so say 2029, to get us ahead or level with most tier two non-blue blood programs? Brian? I mean, I think we're on the right track for that already, right? So, you know, we already moved up into kind of the top two or three, four, sometimes five, depending on the year, uh, in terms of what we're paying coaches. Um, we're, we're starting to move that way into what we're potentially could pay recruiting staff. Um, so we're not going to be Clemson right out the gate. We're probably not going to be Florida State um, anytime soon. But I think we can definitely be at or ahead of everybody else in, in our conference right now on that mm-hmm. front. Um, so I definitely think that's doable. Okay. Now, if, if you're talking about 
if if we're in the SEC in three to four years, that's when it gets a little more questionable. But I, I think we've got a decent enough foundation where we're not going to be behind. I just don't know whether we're catching up to those tier two programs if that's the path we end up going down. Yeah, I personally, I just, I don't think money is that big of a, I mean, it's, money might be a reason that we're not like a top 15 or top 20 program, but I don't think it's a reason why we can't be, you know, top 30. Like, we've got the resources, our facilities are good, you know, the support staff, they've got all those positions filled. It's like, we, we've got the, we've got the resources we're investing now, it's just, it's just a matter of time before it pays off the coaches, I think. Yeah, yeah, it comes down to the coach, I mean, it comes down to the product and, and, like I said, you gotta have that coach that's leading the program that makes people believe. So even when you do go three and eight, you still got people to saying, "Hey, we're gonna follow this guy." So right now, I think we're in the right direction. Probably gonna be watching us, man. Yep. I need your help this year. <laughs> go fuck need... some people up. There you go. All right. So obviously, the next big elephant in the room, and it's always in the room because it seems like everybody's <laughs> talking about it, including Dion just the other day is NIL. And what do y'all think about the football donation strategy, prioritizing NIL donations over donations to the Hokie Club, over donations to the scholarship fund? Does it have to be a prioritization? I mean, we, we're not in debt. Not in debt. I mean, NIL has to be a focus, whether it's the focus or not, is, is I guess the big question, right? Um, if you're not if you don't have a significant NIL presence, you're going to be falling behind on the recruiting trail. Um, and I think not so much with getting guys like, I think, I mean, it's dumb. Some of the stuff I've seen oh, yeah. some like tier two, tier two, tier three programs do to get like a, a mid three star to, to yeah. get into the program that that shit's dumb. But where we need to be good at is if we've got a, four star that is ready to commit, but we're not quite where they need to be. We got to be able to push that over the top and make and close that deal. If we've got a star player on our team, that's getting some nibbles from, from bigger programs, we've got to be able to, to push that a little bit higher to incentivize that player to stay in Blacksburg. Mm -hmm. That's where it's going to be the, the, the big wins uh, from an NIL perspective. So I don't think it needs to overtake the Hokie club in terms of priority, but I definitely think it needs to be a tiered approach in how we're funding the program going forward. I agree. I agree. Cause again, uh, the main thing you not the main thing, but one of the things you hit on right then. And, uh, like coach price said, uh, shameless plug. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. Uh, coach price said, you got coaches talking to your players during the season, pretty much. Yep. You know, you got coaches trying to poach your, poach your players all the time. Um, so NIL has to be somewhere in there to be like, hey, we can take care of you here. Yeah, we you got know? you. Yep. Yeah, we got you. You know, you've yeah. already proved yourself here. Let us, let us, you know, do what we do and, and let you continue to grow here. So um, NIL definitely has to be a focus because of things like that. Not the focus, but a focus. And I mean, the other thought about it too is, y'all think we're like the Dion interview yesterday about it. Um, was there's only to me he was trying to say only elite guys should get nil. These these collectives are the problems, 
And it's like, so a guy killing himself shouldn't get any money for playing college football, Dion. I hated that. I hated him saying that. If y'all didn't hear it, go look. It's like, my son could get a million-dollar deal. It's like, so the kid over here shouldn't get $20,000 for playing? I'd ag- I agree with him from a high school recruit standpoint. But the other, but the other, but the the player, the player retention. If you got a kid that's developing well and doing all the right stuff, you should be able to 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 put some stuff on that player, whether he's getting nibbles from outside of the program or not. So that, and and that's why it's the question is: Is our strategy right? I mean, all I'll say is this: I think our strategy is working good. Did Mansoor go anywhere after being clearly, clearly hit up by a bunch of people? Probably with a nice bunch of money in his pocket for his pockets. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, he's, he's still, he's still a hokey. Yep. So you sit here if we did it, if we're doing it right or doing it wrong. I think the collectives and all are doing it right. They're finding ways to get it done. Um, you know, and and that's the piece is like, is it right when when guys like that don't leave, and you clearly see. You know, and I know he's not involved yet, likely with it. But guys like Gabe, come on! Clearly, the vision's laid out there with NIL. Um, and and as far as leveling up at the NIL, do we need to? I mean, yeah, everybody needs to, right? In some way, but yeah, because it's, it's it's always going to be changing. It you is. know, they're going to come in and they're going to put some restrictions in it, or they're going to come in and they're going to say this and they're going to do that. So you're always going to have some stuff going. That's a little bit different. I'm I'm excited that we are just having a part in it now because down here where I'm at, it's been happening. Like, yeah, fuck nil. It was just like, do your mama need a house or you need a car? Here you, here go. you go. You know what I'm saying? So to have something that just at least puts us, you know, in the same ballpark with some of those schools yep. helps. Hundred percent. All right, well, let's flip it over because as we've been leveling, we got to get to recruiting. And I'm going to pitch this one to Tally because uh, Shelton, Brian, myself, I think our bias might show through on this one. I feel Tally being an outside guy, being from Alabama, might be a little bit more. So, Tally, what's more important, getting the best players we can in our six-hour radius or recruiting the state of Virginia better than any other team, Penn State, UNC, Maryland, NC State, Clemson, et cetera, et cetera. It's a tough question, and it's it's kind of hard to answer because you gotta you gotta kind of do both. You know what I'm saying? Like you really don't have a choice but to do both. It's like that six hour radius. <clears throat> six hours is not impossible to drive to go to a football game yeah, for well. a family. You know what I'm saying? Um, the state of Virginia or people close to Virginia Tech four hours away, three hours away, will go watch somebody play that is from their school, you know. So that goes along to hotel rooms being rented. That goes along with the city of Blacksburg making money because people are going to restaurants. That goes along to selling out the stadium, having a better crowd for TV, selling more concessions while you're there, then just recruiting people to recruit them and then – their families can't come watch them. We don't have nobody to watch them play. So uh, recruiting the best in the state is good or getting the best players from the state is, is, or recruiting the state of Virginia is good, but 
you can't neglect like we're talking about Gabe Williams. You can't neglect a player like Gabe Williams that is the spearhead right now of this 2024 class. <clears throat> and I do think we get some guys from Virginia. I do think we get, you know, maybe one, two, I don't know, top guys from Virginia. When I say top, maybe top 10 guys from Virginia yeah. this year. Yeah. But they're not there yet. So if you're sitting around waiting on that top 10 guy to start your class off and they've been holding off and holding off, shit, you miss a big weekend like you just did. You know, yeah, so you're right. 100%. I guess my answer would be, you know, that six hour radius is is probably the best route to go just because it's so much talent around that area that, that we'd be missing if we didn't. Please but we're not neglecting Virginia either, which is what the problem was before what we was doing. I'm done. Sheldon, what do you think? Yeah, like Katana, uh, expand on what Ty was saying. For me, I know fans want to talk a lot about, you know, locking down the state of Virginia. I think it's more helpful to look at it in terms of just like taking Blacksburg and drawing a giant circle around it. So that's where you're recruiting. So North Carolina, DMV, Tennessee, et cetera. Personally, I know some people might disagree with this. I'm not super gung-ho on, on the town level right now in the state of Virginia. The last two years, it is, it's been pretty rough in terms of NFL draft picks getting drafted from the state. Now, that might change uh, going forward. Um, it could just be a little blip. But to me, if you look at over the past, you know, six or seven years, like most of Tech's players, their best players are from North Carolina. Hannah Nooker, Caleb Farley, Devon Diablo, um, Dax Hollifield. I mean, you could name a bunch of them. Like Trey. The talent. Yeah, Trey Turner. Uh, thanks for the, the bit up there. Um, it's like that's where the talent is. I mean, like I didn't, I didn't know this until recently, but the state of Virginia is actually losing population. And, and North Carolina is growing in population. So to me, like when we're talking about what the recruiting uh, base is, you've got to include North Carolina because that's where that's where our, our best players have come from for the most part. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, and some of this goes back to what Pride talks about with relationships, right? So when we talk about a kid like Gabe Williams just came on, he talked, what did he say? Relationship with Elijah Brooks yep. is, is a big key and why he gave Virginia Tech a look. So you can't ignore those relationships, regardless of whether they're those high schools that you're spending a significant amount of time in by recruiting the state, or whether it's the relationships that you've developed in your recruiting footprint or from previous stops. Like you've, you've got to, you can't turn away a connection. Again, as Tally said, the problem before wasn't that, you know, the, the staff leaned into some of their, you know, lower Midwest uh, roots there, it was that they completely ignored the state of Virginia in the process. Yeah. Right. So um, I, I definitely think the six hour radius is important, uh, more important from a macro verse, uh, verse perspective, but you know, you still need to be in the Virginia high schools every year because you want to be there when a kid is good and he wants to play for Virginia tech. Hundred percent. You don't want to be the guy coming in last, or you don't want to be the the school that is late to the party on on a kid that ends up being good at a school that you you decided to ignore for two or three cycles. Exactly. In 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 like it's like we're all here. It's like Virginia is important because likely two out of every five players are going to be from Virginia. 
Let's just be realistic. We look at an 85 scholarship, probably 30 of them or so are going to be from Virginia, if not a little bit more. But I sit here and I look at that radius. We draw that circle. And I think there's four states that are going to be critical. I think Virginia still is critical. I think finding stars and find developmental players, which Sheldon's going to get to in a little while here from the state of Virginia, is going to be uber critical. But the states of Florida, Georgia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, those four states are going to be, to me, if we get back, we're going to see it. And I'm not knocking Maryland, but Maryland's right next door. Don't have to far, drive as far to get to Maryland. Well, and you're not talking in uh, North Carolina as well, which not, also is we're not of, talking about the two states closest to us. Yeah. That Tally just made a point. Four hour drive, three hour drive for those guys. It's those ones that are a little bit further that are just in. They're just in the six hours or they're a little bit outside that six hour range. And I think for the program, it's getting several top 30, top 25 players to commit to tech, getting the inroads in those schools. And it may be five years we're looking here and saying it's not top 30 anymore. We're going to get two top 15 players from the state of Georgia this year. Mm-hmm. We're going to get two top 15 players from the state of Ohio this year. And it's that growth of those schools where it's still six hours. Somebody on the northern part of Georgia can get in a car on Friday afternoon, drive up to Blacksburg, go see their son play, get out on Sunday, drive back. It's a full weekend, yeah, but it's nothing that can't be done. And I think that's going to be the big important part. Now, the other thing I'll say is the transfer portal ain't going away. Um. Yeah, Tennessee as well, but Tennessee's one that touches us. Tally, you drove up from mm-hmm. your home's an hour and a half away. It took you about six hours to get to Bristol. It's mm-hmm. another hour and a half. So it's only about five hours, right? Yeah. About five hours for yeah, – It took me uh, about five hours to get to Bristol, I believe. Yep. Yep. Now, so that, again, they in Chattanooga can drive up, weekend, see their son, go back home without much of a thing. But the thing that Coach Price said was talking about the uh, – he was talking about transfer portal, and he said it straight up to us. It's need and fit. If you need an older guy in a room to discuss it, right, you got to go find those. To me, that's someone like Powell. Because at the defensive end room, defensive end room-wise, he's already played a lot in the SEC, right? Mm-hmm. He's already probably got – just as much experience as Nelson and McCray does. Right. He's seen better tackles than exactly. probably anybody on our defensive line. Exactly. And that's need and fit. And then you talk about it the other way. And I love him saying this. When we miss on a guy, we don't hit on a guy. We think we're going to develop this guy. I love hearing him say that. Because he's basically saying, this is football. You're not going to hit on every player. So right. when you swing and miss on players, you've got to be willing to go out there and find somebody. Yeah. True. Very true. All right. I got one more question on recruiting. And this is like his story in me is I'm asking y'all, can Brent Pry get his Cornell Brown? And when I say Cornell Brown, if you're a Hokies fan, as old as we are, you know who Cornell Brown is. But Cornell Brown was a win for Frank Beamer 30-plus years ago because he was a number one player in the state. He was basically a top 50 recruit. And when he chose Tech, he chose it over UVA, who effectively was looked at as the power in Virginia at that point in time, amongst a bunch of other offers. 
can Brent Pry get that player sooner or later to Richmond or excuse me to Virginia Tech? Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think we're looking probably this cycle and next next cycle is going to be the most important in terms of landing that type of player. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a number one in the state of Virginia type caliber player, um, but I think we can get a top 250, top 200 player that is, whether it's starter at the gate or somebody that's contributing very early, but is setting the tone from a culture perspective right out the gate. And we very may well have been talking to that player tonight. You know, we'll, yeah. time will tell. But yep. I think I think that's that that's what you're going to need, and I think it's for me if it's going to happen, it needs to happen either this cycle or next cycle. Yeah, and you know, if you go back and listen to what Gabe said when he was on, he said, you know, these coaches are giving you the opportunity and giving you, you know, the position to come in and play. So the opportunity is there for a lot of these recruits to come in and make that early impact and to be that Cornell type of uh, trendsetter, you know, elite he was. Uh, recruit and come in and play early and, you know, change the the culture of Virginia Tech to be back to what it's supposed to be. Uh, they, they're opening the, the floodgate up and said, hey, this is y'all's team. You know, we just – we want to know that you'll want to be a part of it. And that's what I like what Gabe has done. You know, he, he's took on the role to say, hey, I believe in this place and I want to get some other people here that want to believe in it too. I don't want to dig too far into what he said, but it's on wax. You can go back and listen to it yourself. Mm-hmm. He said there's some other people that's involved that we don't know about yet. So we could have been talking to him. We could be talking about it. True. What do you think, Sheldon? Does he need it soon? Does he need that type of player soon? I mean, soon. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to project coming off you know a three and eight season, but um, I don't know. I, I think it's it'll be the uh, twenty twenty five class will probably be more more indicative of kind of where we're headed. I just think right now it's kind of too early as far as like where we are as a program to really be you know projecting too much in the future. But yeah, I'd say I'd say sooner rather than later for sure. All right, good deal. All right, y'all, before we get into more topics tonight, we are going to take a quick pause from our digital partners. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right, y'all. So second half of here, we are going to be talking. We'll let Sheldon take over for a few minutes because Sheldon did some deep, deep digging on player development, and he's got a bunch of stuff he wants to show us. So, Sheldon, the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, so um, one of the things I've always been interested in studying is really what goes into player development. Um, It's something that's fascinating for a long time because I feel like there's just so many little nuances that, that go into what make a team successful or unsuccessful. Um, and I think one thing that's helpful to look at is just, you know, what other programs are doing, because you can't really, um, you know, figure out what the formula is if you don't really study like how other teams do it and what, what successful teams, um, what successful teams do that get player development right. 
So um, obviously, you know, I study recruiting rankings a lot, but I also acknowledge that they are imperfect. And so I just wanted to figure out really what is sort of like the secret sauce that makes a program uh, win, essentially. Um, I think when you look at a team like Virginia Tech, uh, there's sort of like a perception among Tech fans that, you know, back in the glory days of the Frank Beamer era, Tech was winning with these, you know, three-star recruits, these underscouted guys that were kind of like the, you know, blue-collar, uh, chip-on-your-shoulder, like, little engine that could. But really, that's not entirely accurate. Like, we had tons of star players during the 2000s. You look at, you know, Marcus Vick and Macho Harris and Xavier Deby and David Wilson. Like, these were all players that were really talented prospects that other Power 5 programs wanted. So it wasn't just like we were kind of, you know, the little engine that could like we were winning games because we had star players. We had good players. We beat, you know, we beat Alabama and Tennessee because we had better players than they did. So it's always helpful to kind of, you know, keep in perspective, like player development only gets you so far. And on a fundamental level, you do have to get recruiting, right? If, if you're not, you know, if recruiting is not the biggest focus of your program, then you are doing it wrong. Um, but with that being said, we can also look uh, a lot at players, at programs that do develop players very well. And uh, Brian, you can give the graphic up in a moment. Um, so you can see, I, I made a list here, top 10, um, player development programs using the SP plus rankings, which account for strength of schedule, um, and kind of translating it to their recruiting rankings. Um, and in doing this, I wanted to identify really three common themes here, which I sort of looked at, uh, that these programs have. The first is coaching continuity. So you look at a team like Utah, Kyle Whittingham has been there for 18 years. Kirk France at Iowa has been there for 24 years. Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, 18 years. The average coaching tenure for these 10 programs is 10 years. So um, why that matters, um, you know, you look at a guy like Ference at Iowa, you know, he's been there so long, he knows all the high school coaches in the state, and he kind of has a good feel for what players um, are fit for playing in his program. Um, you know, he had a strength coach that uh, is no longer there, but had been there for a while. Same with Gundy at Oklahoma State. Um, and Gundy is even on record saying that, you know, consistency is the most important thing in establishing a big time college football program. Um, and especially on, on the staff too, like, you know, you want your coordinators to be there a long time. That's what Clemson did a good job of. You want your strength coach to be, to be there for a long time. It's, it's all about sort of, um, establishing continuity so that recruits see that and they kind of know like, okay, this is the staff that's been there for all. They've been doing it for a long time. And that kind of helps, uh, sell you sell players on the recruiting trail. So if anyone wants to interject after that, after that point, you're, you're free to. Well, I think what, that's also what we saw as well. Like you said, we had star players. But for the longest time, it was the same staff here at Tech for years, mm-hmm. and, and it's very important because go back to the you said you said it right off the get go, Sheldon. Recruiting's important, but if you've got that coaching continuity with the head coach is the same guy, parts of the staff are the same. When they walk into that school, everyone knows them. The players are likely comfortable because, yeah, you know, take Coach Cav. Coach Cavanaugh had been walking down into the seven five seven. For years, everybody knew him, so it makes perfect sense. Yeah, definitely. You say coaching continuity is the same as identity. You know what I'm saying? When you got the same coaches, you know that team's going to have a certain identity. Uh, You know they're going to play a certain way. You know a coach is going to just be a certain type of coach, whether it's the head coach or the position coach, and you don't have a lot of revolving door type stuff. Um so that point is, is is definitely a big point, the coaching continuity. Because like you said, when you are going to recruit and it's the same people year after year, number one, that means that somebody's having some kind of success. 
Mm-hmm. They're not getting fired. Yep. They like where they are, so they're not leaving. And they're building relationships. Well, I hate to keep going back to it. Gabe Williams told us when Coach Brooks got hired onto this staff, that was his first offer. So it instantly jumped us up because of a coach. Yep. So, yeah, that, that that's definitely a big point. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, when we talk about – you talked about identity. I also think about coaches having an innate ability of getting certain players at certain positions in in a spot where they can make some big plays and get to the next level. So when we think about Virginia Tech historically, we look at, okay, done done really well with dual-threat quarterbacks, always had a solid solid running back core – really good linebackers, elite defensive backs, right? So you knew if you were coming to Virginia Tech, you, you knew what type of identity they had and you knew what type of players they historically could get uh, to the next level. Mm-hmm. So when you have coaching continuity, you get that as a it's, – it's no longer a variable. It's, 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 a, it's a constant, right? So you, right. you know what you're getting in that, that perspective. Definitely. And that kind of leads into uh, my second key, which was having an identity in recruiting. So like I told you guys, I'm here in Salt Lake City for the week. Um, I went up, uh, took a run via Utah State the other day. Um, Utah is a very, very good program for um, a variety of reasons, but one of which I think is very important is the fact that they have established an identity in recruiting. So about in any given year, about one third of their roster is composed of Polynesian players. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is not a fact I knew until researching, but Samoan players are 58 times more likely to make the NFL than uh, their American born counterparts. So because of that, you know, history they've established there, they've got a pipeline of those Polynesian kids that just come up um, to the school and they develop them and they and they put them in the NFL. They could also take a team like Wisconsin, who historically has been built on these, you know, big, beefy, mean offensive linemen. They're going to play smash mouth football. They're going to you know run the ball down your throats. And the reason they do that is because they have to. Uh, Wisconsin does not have the access to skill talent to play another brand of football because recruiting is mostly you know defined by geography. So they have established that sort of niche of, okay, we're going to have a big offensive lineman. We're going to play, you know, pro style and just try to run the ball down your throats. And that's what they've done. Big white offensive lineman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and again, it goes back to what we just talked about here, right, Shelton? We were talking about good running backs. And you talked about David Wilson, the line of great running backs. Go back to, um, you go Kenny Oxendine, you go Lee Suggs, you go Stiff, you go KJ. You go Ryan Williams, Darren Evans. It wasn't like one. Oh, I got this one really good guy. A lot of those guys were highly coveted. It was that running back, big deep on the inside. Brian, you said linebackers and then the back end defensive backs. So we knew our identity, and now we've got Coach Pry effectively trying to start a new identity for a new era. And now we have to see what that vision is over the next little while here in – can it come to fruition to what he wants it to be? Because I think uh, we're going to talk about in a little while here something about the defense um, because it's a, it's a certain portion we, we're going to talk about in a little while here. But go ahead, Sheldon, or Brian, Sheldon, y'all, Tally, have anything else to say on this one? I'm good, I'm good on that. Y'all, y'all covered the good parts there. Okay, and so then um, I'll finish up here with the third key, 
which is um, establishing a culture. Now, culture is kind of, you know, one of those buzzwords that people kind of throw out, but it really is a big deal. Um, I think we talk about, you know, Utah, they've got a great culture. They get players to stay, you know, they go on missionary trips for the LDS church for a couple of years. They come back, they're 24, 25 years old. So they're essentially, you know, effectively like a six year senior playing college football. Um, and then, you know, Wisconsin, they've got the walk-on program that's developed stars like JJ Watt kind of know who they are and they recruit to that. And then you can look at a team like Kansas State, who's also on this list. You know, they hired a guy uh, in Chris Kleiman who came from a winning program at NDSU. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he he had, you know, five or six great years there, really learned how to win, learned how to be a head coach. And you kind of take him from there. He's also, I think, a very good cultural fit, kind of similar to Virginia Tech. You know, he's not a guy for the limelight. Um, he's, a, he's a good fit for Kansas State. You know, they're not flashy. They just, you know, develop players and kind of get the job done. Um, so I think that third part of it uh, is really just, you know, culture establishing knowing who you are and then recruiting to your identity. All right. So if there is obviously the best player development programs, who's the worst? Yes, <laughs> we have that. We have that graphic as well. It's uh, it's pretty ugly. We're nowhere close. Okay. Good deal. Can y'all hear me? We can hear you, Tally. I got right, you. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you got usual usual suspects here. Um, the the two I ones. I thought it was on there. Woo. Yeah. Uh, Dodge the, the charges. The two ones that are probably the most uh, humiliating for them are USC and UCLA because those two teams recruit at an extremely high level and they just they have not been able to do anything with it uh, relative you know relatively speaking. Um, now one thing you'll notice is that this is a list of not just the worst uh, the worst recruiting teams but also you know the worst programs in general because the worst programs tend to hire the worst coaches. So, you know, just because you recruit good players, it doesn't mean they're automatically going to be good. Like four-star recruits can't develop themselves. You need coaching. Coaching always matters. Um, It matters whether you're recruiting three stars or four stars or five stars. It always matters. Um, And I think, you know, I was having a conversation the other day, and maybe you guys could chime in on this with um, a person uh, whose opinion I highly respect. I cannot reveal his name due to his his, uh, very high, important job status. Um, But he said, he actually thinks the idea that Tech can out-develop, player, outdevelop teams is kind of a, a misnomer, that they just have to out-recruit them. Um, you know, we talked about all the talent they got during the Beamer days. You know, you look at a program like Georgia. Georgia won two national championships with a former walk-on quarterback who's now going to the NFL. So if, if that's not elite player development, then I don't know what is. I think as much as we emphasize how much this matters, we also, we also have to understand that there is sort of a limit to how much you can develop players. And at the end of the day, it does come down to recruiting studs. Like there's just no getting around that. You've got to recruit good players who have good work ethics and just want to get better. And uh, on a fundamental level, you know, regardless of, you know, all the other factors that go into it, that's just what it boils down to is recruiting players that, that fit your, your school, your system and your identity. Yeah, It's really silly to think about it, but we're talking about the 85, 87, 88s, but the, it's easier to take an 87 and to make it a better player than an 84 or an 83. Because if and, – and I know I'm talking numbers here, but if they're here on a scale, then there is a chance to take a step up, right? It's like yes. they're, a, they're a high three-star. Can we develop that to make him play like a high four-star? There is that possibility. It's a lot easier to take that to go to here to take – Cam Chancellors are a dime a dozen. Right. Yes. They just are low two stars that literally become five stars. So again, you make the great point. The better we recruit, the more chances, and it's the 
easier developing. Yeah, I yeah, mean, and, you, oh, go ahead, Sean. I'll let you finish. Okay, so, yeah, it's just quick. I mean, you take a guy like uh, Caleb Farley, like like he was a high three star. Yeah, but I think he was a four star in the in house twenty four seven rankings. Like, if you ask people in the tech program, like they all knew he was an absolute stud. Um, so there's always going to be, you know, some degree of like, you know, can we get the guys that maybe we think are a little bit, you know, overlooked. Um, but to your point, Curtis, just take it on a one out of 10 scale. If you recruit at a, at a level seven out of 10, it is significantly easier to be a nine out of 10 program than it is if you recruit at a level five out of 10. It's it's all about, it's all about degrees and and relativity. Yeah. You're not going to get, you know, 12 or 13 high ceiling guys that are at 84 in every class. Like at some point you got to start recruiting guys that are a little bit more ready to play. Right. Yeah. Everybody can't be a project. Yeah. You can't have to be able to come in and play. Yeah. You can't have a, you can't have a class full of projects. You gotta have, you gotta have a, a game changing player in every class, a couple of them really to be, you know, to get back. And I ain't saying like they have to be a five star player, but you have to have somebody who's ready to step in and play. You every gotta have mentor every year. You, yeah. you can't you can't be averaging at or under an eighty six for your class no. class average every year. Nope. Right. So and and that's kind of where Virginia Tech has lived up until you know hopefully this 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 cycle here, you know since kind of what 2019, 2018. Um and you can't live like that. But you know, looking at this list, I'm I'm you know uh, Thomas uh, mentioned it in the comment there. I'm I'm shocked not to see. Uh, a UNC or a, or a Texas A&M on this, on this list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So UNC is, I haven't uh, dug into them a ton. They probably recruit around like a top 15, 20 ish level. And they're probably more like a, you know, top 35 ish program. I think people overstate, you know, how bad, how bad it is. Like they did, they did make the orange <laughs> ball in 2020. You know, right. they went not, they went nine and five last year. Like, yes, it's, they're not getting as much out of their talent, but it's not like, you know, they're not a train wreck essentially you, by contrast you know you look at a team like let's just say florida state like they were an absolute tire fire under willie taggart and and obviously mike Norville had to you know take a couple of years to build up that offensive line like that's that's a much much more dire situation so yeah obviously there's always you know degrees to it all right so you've got on here the best coaches so i want to hear what you've got to say about what what are the best coaches as part of that uh, yeah, I don't, so I don't have the graphic for it, but I, I have it put up on my computer. Um, so Troy Calhoun at Air Force, um, Hugh Freeze, uh, Ken Niamatololo, uh, lots of uh, uh, service academy representation on this list. Oh, yeah. Josh Heupel at Tennessee, uh, Sean mm-hmm. Clark at App State, Jeff Munkin at Army, Frank Solich at Ohio, Scott Satterfield, Paul Chris, and Kyle Winningham. So um, obviously the one name that might stick out there is Josh Heupel. Um, obviously he, you know, he did a great job with Hendon Hooker at Tennessee with that team last year. They actually weren't, I think they were 21st in composite talent. Um, they finished, you know, top six, uh, won the orange ball against Clemson. Um, I think he is a really, really good offensive coach. Like people do not give him enough credit for the job he did he, for the job he did at UCF. I know that obviously tech fans, you know, feel very aggrieved with the way that things ended with, you know, the previous staff and Hendon Hooker. But I also think that, you know, at some point we do have to, give credit to Heupel because he, he is just a genius offensively. Like Hooker really thrived in his system. I don't think he would have thrived in a lot of other systems. That offense might be a cheat code. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to be interested to see what Tennessee does this year with, uh, with Joe, Joe Milton at the helm. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a big Hendon guy. 
So I want to see where they produce the same type of offense this next year as they did last year. Not saying that Hypo's not a good coach because he is, but I don't think they replicate that success this year. That's just me, though. Yeah, Milton's issue was always consistency. He was very inconsistent in the starts that he had before Hendon took over, and he had some up and down uh, starts last year after Hendon got injured. So, well, um, I mean, even they got the they got the quarterback in the in the in the helm as well, right? The the kid they paid all the money to. Uh, what is it, Nico? Nico something, right? I think like you're five, right. Yeah, yeah. Five star quarterback. They got again. I mean, they they've recruited very well. They have the pieces to be um, a top ten team. Mm-hmm. I just don't. You know, I've been around this area for a long time, so I'm not sold on the on the Tennessee is back thing yet. But if they are, I got to give Hypo his uh his credit because they've been they've been working at it for a long time. They had that Alabama curse on them for a long time, man. Fifteen years. It was what to me. It's what happens when you usher out a guy that won a national championship for two bad seasons. Well, no, that ain't what oh, happened. You know, no, no, they, that they, was Phil Fulmer. Yeah, that's they, what I'm saying. They rushed they, his ass out quick, and it's like, yeah, but they got Alabama, they got Alabama in trouble too. You know, they had got they got they they told I think Fulmer told on uh, on the Alabama coach, and uh, wouldn't surprise me. He got he got him got him in trouble a little bit. Karma. Uh, way back when, and um, the football guys didn't like that, and they sent Tennessee on a hiatus for a little while. Yeah. Years. Well, Sheldon, that was some good stuff, man. And and clearly, like you said, there is a balance there. There's a balance. You, you have to develop with where tech needs to be 100%. But you keep saying it. You keep saying, like, you've got to have developmental, but you've got to have guys that can come just play, like, that need minimal development. You know, yeah. to get to back where you need to be, and and, and that's what it's going to take. It's going to take good recruiting classes, and I'm not saying top good evaluations. 15. Now, by all means, if Gabe is saying we're going to get a top 15 recruiting class and we get a top team 15 recruiting class, I'll be dancing over here come December. Right. Trust me, y'all want to talk about an episode, regardless what happens in the season. If we if if there is a team number next to us during the closeout show with Jeremy. <laughs> I don't know if I'll go fifth of Evan Williams, but I'm gonna get. Come on, man! Out. You could if do we it. get if we get a teen recruiting class. I'm coming to Virginia and we recording. I'm recording live <laughs> at one of y'all's house. I'm telling you I right now, it might be that. it might be me me at Shelton's house on his couch, that, that, but that. I'm coming to somebody's house. All right, all right. So there's obviously even there's there's a few more things we want to hit talking about. How do you get back? And the next one is sort of the – Tally put this on here, the swag or the drip factor. And, Tally, what were the three that you feel like are the wins right now for us? Uh, You know, the Players' Lounge, that's that's yep. that's a, that's a good. Uh, the, the Performance and Nutrition Center, and then the progress on the Athletic Village, all of that stuff is is wins. You know what I'm saying? Um but we've got we've got some other stuff going too. Um, as far as like, some of it needs some work, which I know we're gonna get to. But it's getting better. So, um, well, we'll get to the the stuff that needs work. But the players' lounge and and, and all of the things that they've they've renovated is definitely good because you see the pictures of, you know, like everybody's taking pictures in the players' lounge. Yes, they are. Yeah. You know. 
And I think we were taking pictures in a fucking basement for like <laughs> seven years. It looked like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> like what was going on? So now we're taking pictures. We got fucking light swords and all types of shit. But anyway, um, I'm going to let somebody else jump in. Well, I, I sit and think about just the nutrition center where, you know, they have a place to go, right? Right after they're done. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one. You're off the field. You're right there. You don't have to do anything else. It's all catered to you um, in the way Merriman's getting built up with some of that stuff going on with those centers. And, and, and again, is that what's going to absolutely sway a player? Maybe not. But it's it's that thing of that it's like the first visit, right? It's like the first visit. First time you go into a restaurant and things look shitty, do you come back? Nah. I don't even care if the food was good. The food was good, but I'm looking around. I ain't coming back to this place again. But if the atmosphere is good, I mean, I like the way this looked. The food, I'm coming back for the second visit. It may not be what wins them completely, but it probably gets them back in the door two or three more times. Yeah, I really can't – sorry to interrupt. I I really can't overstate how important the uh, nutrition center is in particular. Like, I've – I've talked to uh, multiple uh, coaches at VT in different sports that have cited the nutrition center as being like a big, a big part of it. Um, mm-hmm. I know this is uh, some of what well, well documented, but like before that was built, we had guys eating, you know, catering like Domino's pizza and, and Jimmy John subs after practice. Like that's, that's, that <laughs> that's is, that is that's not going to get you better. <laughs> that is not going to get, that's not going to build muscle. Like you got to eat, the, you got to eat right in order to, in order to build your body. So that, that having that there is huge. Like that's, that's a huge part of tech facilities upgrades. Yeah, I feel like we were like resting on that. Okay, well, Virginia Tech dining facilities are like number one or number two in the country. Yeah, but if they're not eating the right stuff, that's not getting them any better on the field. Motherfuckers <laughs> getting fat, not muscular. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Johns is not getting you to uh, to get off the get off the edge against a three hundred pound offensive lineman. Right. I, I didn't even know that. I'm glad Sheldon said that. I'm glad you did too. That's 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 speaking about the curtains right fucked there. Up. <laughs> he he, he dominoes after, after working out. That ain't what we need up. to be doing. All right, so that's been fixed. Tally, what else do you think needs to be fixed? Because clearly you put some – th- th- this was sort of Tally's baby right here. Player development with Shelton's th- – all this stuff was Tally's baby. Well, yeah, I mean, we got to work on – I mean, we're going to save this one for last. But the locker rooms, which, which we've heard we've heard that we got some updates coming for that. Check's been wrote. Check's been wrote. 5.9 okay, check's million. Been wrote. We need to go ahead and get that done because, again, I've, I've I've argued with people. They say, well, locker rooms don't mean – I say, yes, they fucking do. You know what I'm saying? Locker rooms mean something. You know, I ain't say, again, that's not going to just – you ain't going to go grab a player and say, hey, look at these locker rooms. Now come here. But your locker room's like your home, man. Like you spend a lot of time in your locker, yep. you know, and, and you see people like LSU that has – a comfortable place for the players to sit. Yeah, it's a big deal. They can take yeah. a nap. <laughs> it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. And then now with how social media works, which is another thing that's on the needs work, uh, with how social media works, you get your players and you get your recruits to do marketing for you. Like marketing is a big thing for sales, period. Like I hate to put recruiting with sales, but that's what it is. So when somebody has this fucking thing right here and they're able to pop it out that they're paying God knows how much a a month for, pop it out and take some cool videos, cool pictures and say, hey, I'm over here at Virginia Tech. And then they got their name up there in lights, blah, 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 blah. That's cool. 
you know, we've been lacking that. We've had, I think one time they showed our locker rooms and it looked like fucking, it looked like a clan uh, <laughs> uh, fucking cross. <laughs> I said, what the hell kind of, what is that? You know, like our lockers was pitiful, man. So the locker rooms updated. Definitely, that's good. That's coming. Uh, the social media has been doing better. They have. The a media in general has. Media I mean, in general has went. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that, and that comes along with the coaches giving access and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's been better. And then the last one, these <laughs> fucking uniforms, man. Like, I don't even think that I. I do think that I. Our uniforms are bad a little bit, but I think we have better combinations that we don't use. That's my problem. I think some of the combinations we have are are, are slick. You like, are we, well, <laughs> even when besides, like when we had all of these kids have been coming in and the recruits and stuff. Go look at what they're wearing. You know what I'm saying? Go like it ain't me. Yep. It, I mean, it is me. That's what I want, but. You see what some of some of them's got the all white songs. The, the all whites the, is definitely a big yeah, the white helmets, different things like that. You see the guys wearing the orange uh hokey stone sleeves, like yeah. We haven't thought about any of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Because I think we just had people with the mindset of they want to be a traditional school, but to be traditional, you have to have traditional wins. You have to have a winning tradition. We just don't have that. You know what I'm saying? You got to find other ways to be successful. So those uniforms are a big part of it. You know, like, again, none of that stuff matters if you go out and you're three and eight year after year after year. But it plays a part in getting people to come. Well, I think to your point, it's like I I do like the traditional uniforms. The white is when they hit the white, perfect, it's tight. I mean, Mm. it's, it's a sleek look. I still love all maroon. You can't roll out all the time. But to your point, the oranges a couple years ago looked great. Mm-hmm. Great. And still, someone tell me in this crew here, why haven't we worn black more? I know the Boise State game was ass, and it sucked <laughs> at the end. But those uniforms, go back. That was 2010. That's 12, 13 years ago now. Yeah. Those uniforms you could bring to today, and they'd still be tight. Yeah. They still yeah, the, the uniforms they brought them out again. The uniforms that we wore were well, Frank's last game at, at Lane, the black with the orange, uh, yes. orange like those was nice uniforms. You know, it's just a variation, man. And it's, sometimes people need to see that. I think we need a fashion designer on the team. Call I think it could be me. I, I they can pay me. They can pay me seventy grand. I do it. I have us looking real out there. there we okay, go. what about Sheldon Bryan, y'all? Y'all, y'all agree? Anything else y'all feel like needs work, maybe doesn't need work, or winning? I mean, the, the uniforms to me have become stale. Um, I, I like – so I, I'm a fan of the 99 throwbacks. I think that's something that we should do every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need to we, – we need something fresh, whether it's something kind of super clean that's kind of been the trend lately um, or, or whether it's something more of a – throwback to some of the uniforms we've worn in the past, just kind of, you know, brought into a little more modern look now. Um, but we need to get a, a, out with the the stupid stripe behind the nameplate, whatever the <laughs> hell that trailing stripe is. That, that, that shit is goofy looking from behind. 
it looks a little better on the orange because it blends in, but on the maroon, it sticks out like a damn sore thumb. Um, same with the white. So I'm not a big fan of that. I know it's like kind of a nod to this, nod to that, but it, it, it doesn't look good. I'm not a big fan of stripes in general, unless they're like tight pinstripes or on the cuff of the, of a, of a sleeve. Um, get the shoulder stripes away, get the deck stripes away. Um, give me something clean and fresh looking. Yeah. Uniforms could definitely use a little tweak. Um, I will also say with regards to facilities, um, they probably don't matter as much in the, in the days of like the NIL because players are getting paid, but you, you do need to have good facilities to win at a top 25 level. Like they're, you know, that's, that's kind of like the sort of rite of passage for every team that wants to be successful in football to show to recruits and to fans and everything that you're committed to winning in football. I think what tech has done in upgrading their facilities over the last couple of years has been fantastic with the players, players lounge and uh, just, you know, everything else, the locker rooms and everything like that's been really, really good. I think you're going to see hopefully that pay off in recruiting pretty soon. All right, Brian, let's pitch it to you because the next one was kind of your big hot button topic. And uh, why, why you feel like this is important, man? Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about NFL success. Um, and that's, that's been a big thing for me. I know I talked about it a little bit earlier when I was talking about kind of that culture and that identity. Um, when we when we think about Virginia Tech, we think about again dual threat quarterbacks that have a shot at making the league or or get drafted into the league. We we think about running backs that have some success in the NFL. We think about linebackers, and obviously we think about DBU. Percent. But I'm going to uh, specifically point out the offensive player success in the NFL because I feel like in the last 10, 12 years, that's where we've really fallen off a map. Mm-hmm. I think we've still had some success getting those uh, players to the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. We've really fallen off a map on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you take away Khalil Herbert, we haven't had a running back go to the NFL since David Wilson. Um, you know, we look at outside of offensive line, we haven't really had high draft picks um, coming from that side of the ball in the last decade plus. So um, that's where we need to start seeing some traction. If we're going to, I think, take the next step, because if you're not putting players into the NFL at skill positions on offense, it's, it's really hard to attract them to play for your program. It's true, man. And, and, and that's where it leads. And you say the offensive players because we can all look and see for ourselves. Defensively, we've been putting guys, first-round picks, mm-hmm. first two-day picks consistently the last decade. And it is going to take an offensive player. Do we, do we ever get one that clicks and starts bringing that reputation back? Um, but something else you mentioned, Brian, and, and, and what I love tonight, Gabe's interview, who did he say he talked to? Tremaine. No, Tremaine. Oh, yeah, he did say that. He said he talked to Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And it's not only having players talk to them about who we are, but then bringing them back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's how you build a culture, man. You know what I'm saying? It was like for so long we heard so many players and so many, you know, former players talk about, you know, we haven't been welcomed back or there's no open door policy or – we can't get tickets or we can't do this. We can't like, you're not hearing that right now. No, you know not. what I'm saying? You're not hearing that. It seems like everybody, even though we had a rough season, seems like everybody's still behind prior yep. all last year, you know, 
We talked to the white. We talked to Lauren Johnson, which sent his kid or, you know, I ain't gonna say send this kid. This kid made his own choice, Braylon Johnson, to go to Virginia blessed Tech. It. But he, yeah, he he blessed, he, it. He, he blessed it, you know. And he said, "Hey, I think these guys are going in the right direction." So, uh, you got former players that saying, "Hey, we got this thing going back in the right direction. We just gotta give it a little bit of time, and we're gonna be all right." So, um, Virginia Tech has always had that that DBU. Um, mantra on it, you know, mm-hmm. whatever pe- people are gonna argue, whatever. Well, it should be LSU, it should be this, but I will say I'm a Titans fan, and I was not excited about Caleb Farley getting drafted to the Titans, um, just because I knew his injury history. But if he was at any other school besides Virginia Tech, he wouldn't have got drafted that high. That's just my opinion. I think the reputation of Virginia Tech developing. Um, cornerbacks, as well as what he did on the field when he did play, played a part in him get drafted that high. If you'd have been at a school like, I'll just say, Maryland. I don't know, maybe Maryland, North Carolina, I don't. Th- I think he gets drafted. I don't think he gets drafted that high. Yeah. So we got to dig back into that too. You know, like I know that's not on there when we talk about offensive success. I mean, when we talk about NFL success, you're talking about offense, but. We do got to dig back into that, and then maybe some of those players, when we get those, um, I don't top twenty defensive again, top fifteen defensive defenses. Um, the offense has some players that flash, and then you know, shit, we put some players in the lead because I know most Virginia Tech fans did not think that we wouldn't see um, Gerard Evans in the lead. Like watching him play that one season, it was like, yeah, he's 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 going somewhere. You know, everybody thought that, but it's partly because of how the defense put him in positions as well. So True. it's got to be an overall effort. Yeah, you still got to play complementary football, and that that mm-hmm. goes back to having skill on both sides of the ball. Hundred percent. I there's one last piece I want to talk about, and I kind of made this my little baby as we were putting this together the last few weeks, and that's reputation. And, you know, the first thing I say is Blaine's always going to be loud. It always mm-hmm. is. It doesn't matter. But I want it to be scary again. For Again, for our heyday, Brian, Tally, uh, it was scary. Teams did not want to freaking come play here. And a lot of that was to the second point of we played nasty. You came here, you walked out with war wounds. And to when I say so, making Lane scary again is almost like that same mentality of playing nasty, hitting people, being physical as hell, both on offense and defense. Their reputations start building. And you're already inside that team's mind the day Sunday comes on and they see Virginia Tech's on the schedule, right? God, we got it, man. We might beat them, but we're going to come home. We're going to be bloodied. Somebody's going to go home with a broken bone. We're going to have busted ribs. We're going to be bleeding. And then the last piece, as y'all said it time and time again, is I don't think DBU is going anywhere. We look at what we've got now with Jalen Strogan, what we've got with Mansoor, some of those young guys coming in. That's not going anywhere. Jamar just went to the league. It's true, yes. Guys just went to the league. It's not going anywhere. I'm going to pitch this to Sheldon, and you talk about what other parts of reputation you want to come on, Sheldon. But – Take out defensive back. What's one position group 
you wish the Hokies could consistently put studs out again? Mm, I'd say maybe offensive line. I mean, we had we, a run for a while. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. Um, and we also had a run. We had a good run at running back too. Um, you know, Emo and Kevin Jones and all those guys. Um, I think the, the skill thing might partly be like a a demographics issue. Like, how what's the skill level of talent in our recruiting radius? Like, you know, I would imagine you know most of the skill talent is probably in like Florida, Georgia, California. Like, are we? Do we have like geographic proximity to a lot of good? talented quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs like i'm, I'm generally curious because I, I don't know um yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, I will say the overall quarterback talent level in virginia has kind of fallen off the map yeah so that that's that that's hurt us um you know probably trace, trace mcsorley is probably the last big name guy yeah yeah seriously yeah, and so I mean the the talent level at quarterback in the state has fallen off significantly. That's hurt our ability to recruit skill positions, and sometimes it's hard to recruit wide receiver when you can't recruit a high level quarterback, especially when you're trying to lure in state talent. So I think you know one is begetting the other here. Um, obviously, we had some success with Gerard getting um, you know recruited there. Um, when Fuente came in and then, um, you know, Hendon Hooker obviously was a, a talented quarterback from North Carolina, but there, there really hasn't been a ton of in-state talent at the quarterback position in a, in a good while. And, and it's definitely had been consistent. Yeah. I don't, you know, just thinking about recruiting and thinking about what we are, I don't know many wide receivers or, or quarterbacks that'll just go, you know, hey, I'm gonna go to Virginia Tech and I'm gonna go to the league. Like, it's that's a hard sell because that's just not who we are at the moment. Maybe we can transition into that one day, but that's not us. But what I'd like to see us, what I think we are, is players like Gabe Williams coming off the edge, uh, linebackers, and getting those um, defensive ends, getting those dominant defensive ends. Because for a while there, we always had a defensive end that people 100% had the game plan for, you know, and even, even some of the guys who didn't have long stints in the league um, when they were there, they were very, very productive at the, at the defensive end position. So I think if we can get back to consistently having that NFL caliber uh, end, at least one, you know, of course you want more than one, but at least one, I think that that, that takes us back to the old, defense that we had you know what i'm saying even with uh like trayvon hill when we had trayvon hill like people had the game plan for him yes they did you know you go back you talk about daddy nicholas um james gale world gale worlds i mean the the list goes on and on just about the that that position edge rusher and i say defensive end but i mean edge rusher so when you talk about you know even tremaine coming off the end is fucking scary. You know what I'm saying? To have a yeah. linebacker that can cover that much ground and put pressure on the on on the quarterback, but also be a run stopper. Um, we got to get back to having some players like that. So I think that's the position that we should focus the most on because that's what Pry is. He's come from defense. He's come from being a linebacker coach, and we keep throwing that Michael Parsons name out, Michael Parsons name out, and then you already have people that you can point to that even that he didn't coach him. Like I think if um, um, 
Amari Bono had come back, I think it would have helped him a lot. Uh-huh. You know, to 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 sit a year under Pry and Marv. I think it would have helped him. But he, he's in the league. He made it. You know what I'm saying? He's living his dream. So you can recruit a player and say, hey, this guy went to Virginia Tech, Omari Bono. Get him on the phone. Then you got Tremaine Edmonds, those guys like that. That's a position right now that we can recruit at and we can bring back pretty quick. You know, I'm hoping that we see Kelly Lawson take that next step and be one of those guys as well. So if Pry can, you know, live up to his – Live up to his reputation and get a couple of those guys to the next level, man. That'll that'll put Virginia Tech back on the map a little bit um, where we need to be, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we talked about a little bit of everything. You know, we talked about conference realignment. We talked about the administration, NIL recruiting, everything. player development, the drip. We talked about reputation, but the the key to all of this is that we got to win some damn games, right? we go out there and win some games, some of these other things get a lot easier. And that's just going to compound upon itself until, you know, we can build ourselves back up to where we want to be. So winning, winning games is going to go a long way, obviously. Um, it's key. And I think Brian, yep. And I think the, I think the thing is, if we start winning games, everything we discuss here tonight, you'll start seeing little checks, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we landed Gabe. Some of those guys Gabe's been talking about, we landed them, and they came in and did it right away. Hey, you remember that kid from Ohio, Tally didn't like? He's the best damn defensive tackle on the team right now because they developed him. Right. It, it's it's like, it's right? It's got to be a check mark. It's got to be yep. everything. I think all the stuff we hit on and we talked through tonight, and y'all, y'all done awesome hidden points. If we start checking them, there's no reason we shouldn't win. I agree. I agree. And, and, and if you start winning the games, there's no reason you can't get back into those conversations with some of those elite talent guys that we need to start those building blocks on that front. Because if, if you can win some games, recruiting players to your program gets a whole lot easier. Well, I'm going to just say it here now. I know we, we, we've we been running kind of long and we get ready to get out of here, but I want everybody in the Twitter sphere. Um, in all the social media worlds to understand that I was one of the first to say, this is going to be a good year. Y'all motherfuckers kept talking and saying we was going to be sorry and we couldn't recruit. This wasn't going to happen. And now I see you on the timelines having parties. (laughs) I'm just telling you, you need to think back to your boy Tally and I told y'all it was coming. I still got that optimism. This is the year and again, and ain't ain't saying we back. Get us to a bowl game, and we we back in now, baby. We good. Tally said you're not keeping that same energy. Take the come step. on now. Take, the <laughs> step. Take that step, baby. All right, boys. Anything y'all want to add? Additional? Anything breaking? Just we've breaking. Two hours. Nothing breaking for me. I just want to tell Shelton, man, have a a safe trip. Yep. Don't be out there wrestling no bears and mountain lions and nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, you know, I know how white people do when y'all get in nature. Y'all oh. like to go explore. <laughs> hey, be like me. You hear a strange noise, you go the other way. <laughs> yeah, what? we'll see. I got a, I got a small pocket knife. That's all I got. So. That's all I got. <laughs> small pocket knife can do a whole lot of damage. At least you got something. Yes, um. Well, Sheldon, man, we appreciate you taking. Shelton was on vacation. He said he's on take the two hours. 
Right. Thanks, man, for doing that tonight because you added a ton with that development and your other comments. Um, again, safe travels back to the Commonwealth here, and that is going to wrap it up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Tyler Baez. I'm Sheldon Moss. Visit our website, boundarycornervt.com, to listen to all of our episodes, especially the prior one last time, because that was a doozy. Shameless um, plug. Also, we've got a merchandise shop. Check that out as well there. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Let me throw something in, too, before we get out of here. Uh, Go ahead. Anybody watching tonight, anybody who watches this, um, we want to know what you think. You know what I'm saying? If we get yeah. enough people, y'all message us, um, and, and, and you guys want to have your five minutes to tell us how to get back to glory, let us know. We're going to run a space here soon if we get enough people that will be interested. And we want to hear what uh what Virginia Tech uh what Virginia Tech Twitter has to say about how we need to get back to the top. So let's do it. So you want to do that? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, comment on this YouTube, any podcast source, listen to it, what we talked about. Go back to those, tell us what you think. Cause like Tally said, he sees enough. We're gonna run a space very soon here, uh, to hear your opinion on how we get back there. As always, Jason Long plays us in. He plays us out week to week down in Roanoke. Check him out his website, jasonlongmusic.com, where it links you to all of his music, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook accounts. He does have a new album, the Covers EP, featuring the Midnight Rider you heard as we were joined with Brent Pry. We thank you all for listening, and as always, let's go. Okay. Okay.